Yes, sir. Kyle and DJ on the mic. Gambling Feud. Partner with Coda Sports Gambling Network. Hitting bets. Hitting checks. Hitting checks. Hitting necks. I bet. Let's hit some bets. Locks on, locks on, locks on, locks. Locks on, locks on, locks on, locks. I don't need the keys when I get the locks. Hitting them wagers, like I'm a pacer, doing it major. LA Lakers, locks on, locks on, locks on, locks. Locks on, locks on, locks on, locks. I don't need the keys when I get the locks. Hitting them wagers, like I'm a pacer, doing it major. LA Lakers. Welcome, everyone, to the Gambling Feud Podcast, presented by the Coda Sports Gambling Network. We are on the big 5-0, episode 50. The Gambling Feud Podcast is sponsored by the Bet Coda Sportsbook in Deadwood, South Dakota. 50 episodes in, we're going to start the show, same as we always do. My name is Kyle Comish. You can find me on Twitter at Comdog. And joining me for 50 episodes is my cousin and co-host. Find him on Twitter at DJLow4422, DJ Luch. DJ, how are we doing today? Well, Kyle, I'm drinking a blue moon. Uh, I worked until about seven, so I've earned this blue moon. Um, but I'm doing good, especially in comparison to what you've gone through the last 24 hours with the old house crisis. But uh, no, I'm doing good. March Madness is wild, and it's an exciting time of year. Baseball's right around the corner, and the weather's getting warm. Like, really don't have many complaints, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I had a little... Little house crisis that almost made us cancel the episode, but we got it all situated and we're good to go there. And I tell you what, DJ, with that blue moon, that's that's a top five beer in my opinion. I I love me a blue moon. And I always tell people if you wanna get drunk, there's like certain beers for that. But if you just want to sit back, chill, drink a beer, blue moon is the best there is. Yeah, no, it's the perfect like sipping beer. Like you don't you don't want to smash a bunch of these. Like no, just just go with like Bush Light or you know some sort of low bulk kind of beer but if you're just sipping that you want the blue moons they're they're the way to go um yeah uh they're better in a glass with a little orange but if i'm at like a buffalo wild wings you know and i'm just gonna have a couple beers i definitely prefer the blue moons to just the regular bush lights which you can never go wrong with the bush latte but you know it's blue moons like a celebration of some sort like i'm celebrating working today doing my job and kicking ass so I've earned a blue moon. You got to earn a blue moon. You know, you got to, you got to do something. So, yeah. Yep. Abs- no, absolutely. And it's like, like I said, it's just a um, beer where you can like just chill, chill and just sip and stuff like that. And like you said, it's not, it's not something like I said, if you want to get drunk, like that's not the beer for you, because I just don't think I, I've known many people who get drunk off it. It's just, like I said, it's nice casual beer, but we're going off track for about. <laughs> we're going to get discussing all the beer. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna get talk a, about hops and stuff like that and <laughs> turn into a beer podcast real quick yep uh well i was actually in dj's neck of the woods this weekend i went down to des moines um me and my fiance went down a day early celebrated our two-year anniversary getting married here in about five months so looking forward to that and then i went to uh see my sister who lives down in des moines and she turned uh 24 so we were gonna go out and celebrate and Think about linking up with DJ, but DJ was a little under the weather this weekend. Yeah, I had some sort of flu. Uh, it's Faye JT's fault. He he gave it to me. Uh, we thought it was COVID, but we tested negative. Uh, so it wasn't that, which is good. But 
he was really down for the count uh, for just a couple of days. And I was just inconveniently, uh, you know, side effects for about three, four days. So it was not, I didn't want to get you sick. Otherwise I would have hung out with you or you could have came by and chilled at our, we had four TVs set up watching March Madness. It was the ideal place to be if you're sick, I guess. Or if you're not, honestly, there was free beer and yeah, four TVs. It was the perfect setup, some would say. Yeah, no, that sounds like a good setup. And just being at the ranch, I bet that was fun too. Oh, yeah. I mean, you are the ranch now. That's the thing. I, yeah, I am part of the ranch now. Uh, yeah, we. Uh, I think it was Sunday. It was really nice out, so we played some basketball. That was fun. It's nice to be able to just go outside and kind of take advantage. We were me and Jacob were going to play a little catch, but we couldn't find a baseball. So I don't know how. I don't have a baseball. That's on. That's on me. But that, yeah. that's wild that you don't have a baseball. You of all people, I think, would have a baseball. I I don't know what happened to it. You, I moved and I lost it. Um, yeah, it's, it's got to be someone else's fault. I, I don't want to take blame on this one. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, you people listening, you need to help DJ get a baseball because yeah. he, that, that man needs a baseball. I'll start a GoFundMe for it. Just <laughs> donate 10 cents at a time. Not asking for much. You can spare 10 cents. Yeah, I mean, a baseball, if you get it cheap enough, only costs you a couple dollars. Exactly. Need what 200 people to donate 10 cents? There we go. Yeah, 20. Math is hard, <laughs> <laughs> anyways. Uh, real quick before we get on with the, with the show here. So, on the latest Mount Lockmore episode, and I have some beef with Pace and BRS, but that's another story for another time. But they did a um. They did a draft, DJ. There were 16 teams in the Sweet 16, and there's 16 cappers. So Pace went through every single capper, and every single capper got assigned a team. And Pace made the rule that if you tweet about the team, and if the team goes on to win the national championship, you will get Ben Mode 50 bucks from them. So everybody got a team drawn out, and uh, I got the pleasure of getting the UNC Tar Heels, and DJ got Arizona. So what are your thoughts about that, DJ? It's a little backwards because I'm more of a Tar Heels fan and you're more of a Zona fan. Uh, not that you're not a Tar Heels fan, but, you know, you're, you're very loyal to Arizona, whereas more loyal to UNC. So we almost should swap, but I don't know if that's allowed. Plus, I kind of like my odds with Arizona versus UNC. Um, you know, they're, they're definitely out kicking their coverage, but winning the national title would be, be a lot for them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I like my chances of getting that $50 for sure. I got to get that Arizona tweet going, uh, maybe get a cool graphic, uh, who knows, but I, I like my pick. I'll say that. Yeah. I, I kind of figured you would. I was kind of hoping to get them myself, but I'll go with the Tar Heels and stuff like that. I don't remember everyone else got, I know BRS is convinced that, uh, St. Peter's is going to win the national championship and that's who St. And that's who he ended up getting with St. Peter. So it was just kind of kismet right there. Yeah. That's a. I don't know. That raises an eyebrow right there that he's in love with them and he also gets them. But if they did a magic wheel or something, you know, the, the wheel works in mysterious ways. So the wheel knows. I don't know if you ever watched yeah. the yak on Barstool, but they always oh, do yeah. the wheel. Oh, yeah. The wheel is just. <laughs> yeah. That, if, you don't, if you don't watch the yak, you're missing out. I'll just say that. Yeah. Oh, I love the yak. I, I, yeah. All right. So uh, let's get going. We got a really, really action-packed show. It's an MLB preview show today. So we're going to break down every single MLB division, just talk about some teams and stuff like that. We got a special guest coming on later in the show. Be sure to check that out. But 
a brand new segment to start us off, DJ. So it's something that um, we came up with. And rather than our takes, it's called That's a Take. So basically, we're going to find various takes, whether it be through um, on TV sports channels, on blogs, on Twitter, or even just something our friend told us. It's just a wild take we heard this week. We'll put the take out there, and then we'll just discuss the take. So kind of an interesting one here, DJ, from – um. I don't know if people listening at home are big to Barstool, but Coley Mick is this uh, the editor-in-chief of Barstool Sports, and he was talking about that uh, that technical foul that's called in that Illinois game from the guy dunking it. So I know a lot of people watching at home probably watched that, thought it was ridiculous. But here's his take in, in a blog he said. He said, quote, you know how cops have to get tased once before they are allowed to use a taser on someone else? It should be the same thing here. If a referee cannot dunk a basketball – this should not, they should not be giving technical fouls for, to players for hanging on the rim. What's your thoughts about that, DJ? Uh, yeah, I mean, that technical is insane. Like, I, I get some of them because you can kind of tell that it's over the line, but that one was just ridiculous. Like, that was just player safety right there. And it was not excessive in any way. It, I, it was ridiculous that they called that. And, like, I, I get the analogy the Barstool guy is trying to make uh, with, you know, getting tased and stuff. But, like, I, most refs can't dunk. So, I, I get that, I guess. But it's – I don't know. You just be a better ref. I, there's been some questionable things that have happened in this March Madness where it's made me question these refs uh, and the things they're doing. And it's like, if I – I don't I would have never called that a technical in a million years. Like, that was absurd. Uh, and it kind of impacted the game a little bit. So I, yeah, I don't know. It was a terrible call. And yeah, if you can't dunk, then don't call a technical on someone for dunking, I guess. Yeah. I, I guess I agree with it. I align and I align with it, but uh, yeah, what were your thoughts? Yeah. I'm kind of the same, same way. Obviously, like if you lower the rim down, maybe two feet, I can dunk it, but that's beyond the point. So I can't really have much to talk, but he does make some good points though. The thing that bothered me about that technical foul is that he wasn't showboating at all. Like he, his forward momentum, if he would have just like dunked the ball and went off, he would have fell. He would have fell right on his back. Like he was using that rim to give him momentum to get him back straight up. He wasn't showboating at all. You can tell when a player is showboating after dunking, they'll hang on it for two or three seconds. They might pound on the glass or something like that. Then that's warranted a technical foul, but he wasn't showboating at all. He was trying to gain his momentum. And he was trying to get back to being straight so he can go up and down. So I agree with the fact that like that shouldn't have been called. And just the technical foul is just so dumb. Like it's such, such a dumb technical foul. But like I said, if it's showboating, I get it. So I agree in a fact that these referees are calling technical fouls when they've never done this before. So I do in a sense kind of get that idea. But like you said, there, I don't know many referees who can dunk a basketball just straight out. So it's, it's an interesting take. That's for sure. Yeah, that it's definitely out there, but it is like semi-accurate. So like, I, I definitely get it. Um, if, for the record, I can dunk. So on a 10 foot rim, uh, in case anyone's wondering, uh, let's just get that on the record. Video um, or it didn't happen. I have a video. I have a video. It's like three years old now, so I don't know how accurate it is, but um I did play in a men's league this Sunday or uh, this year for the fall or for the winter in Des Moines. And I, I did dunk it before the game a couple of times, so I can still do it. Uh, but on to my rant before we get on a side rant of all the rants. Um, 
so I think I addressed this on a former podcast, but I thought this would be a good one to start with for that to take. Uh, Skip Bayless ranked the top 10 of the 75, uh, the best 75 players for the first 75 years of the NBA, and he had LeBron at number nine. Kyle, just take it away. Thoughts? That's absolutely atrocious. Like, like I said, I said it when Soup and Toast were on it. If, if you watch Undisputed, you are the problem. Like, you are the reason that Skip Bayless is getting the attention he is because having LeBron number nine is absolutely absurd. Now, mind you, where you have him, he's he's a top three player. Like, no no doubt about it. Like, you know, you can throw in, like, my personal list. I Again, this is just my personal list. I have MJ, Kobe, LeBron. And a lot of people have had that. Some people have LeBron and Kobe switch. Some people have LeBron number one. But he's a top three player. And those three, like, without a doubt, are the top three players. And to have him number nine, like, I think he had uh, Kareem, Magic, Larry Bird. And I, I can't I can't remember who else, but, like, respect to those guys. Those guys were a generational player. But LeBron is just LeBron. Like, enough, enough said there. Like, number nine is absolutely ridiculous. Like, he's number three on my list, which, again, agree to disagree on that. But I won't, like, it's – I think most people would agree, like, LeBron, Kobe – MJ, everybody else is just a, a notch or two below. So number nine is just atrocious. Yeah, no, 100% agree with that. Like, whether you have LeBron or Jordan's number one, you know, that it's they're debatable goats. Like, it, it's you really aren't wrong. You know, you can make a case for either, but it's they're clear cut. Like, one of those two, in my opinion, is, is a goat. Uh, you know, and so for him to rank him nine, it's like, dude, I, I get you don't like him, and I get you got beef with him, but come on, like, be do your job. Your job, it, it'd be like if Kyle had beef with you know some sort of accounting firm, and so he just, I don't, I really don't even know how to make this relatable to Kyle's job, I guess, because I don't really understand the whole accounting thing. But for me, it'd be like if I had beef with someone, so I just tanked a value for one of their properties. Like, you just can't do that. And I mean, this dude's getting paid to talk sports and like, he can't honestly, like he literally did that for clickbait, like, which is what really upsets me. It's like, dude, you literally just did that. So a bunch of people will comment on how stupid you are. And like, you just get all this media attention because you're so stupid. And like, it's ridiculous that he's getting paid money. He's a clown. Uh, He's always been a clown. I've always thought he's a clown. Um, A lot of people that I respect, like Kyle have confirmed that he's a clown. So it is what it is. He's just... He's uh, what do they call? It? He's trolling, really, is what he's doing, and it's incredibly disrespectful. Because yeah, if LeBron's not in your top three, I honestly, if LeBron's not in your top three, I just don't think you know basketball. Like that's just what I'll personally assume immediately. If you make a list and LeBron's not in top three, I'm like, all right, this guy doesn't know basketball, and that's, I think, more than not, that's going to be true. So yeah, I'd like to see Skip Bayless try and play basketball. I bet Kyle, I bet you destroy him in the post, Kyle. Oh, he. He would get every shot just sent back right to <laughs> like it wouldn't even be funny. And, and and going back to what you said, DJ, like if you're a sports analyst and like you know, he's like this, you know, Stephen A sometimes like this, Ryan Hollins, just a bunch of various like people in the sports media. If you're out there to get clickbait and to get people to view you for your atrocious takes, you have no right to be in the position you are. 
throw someone in there who knows about the sport, who's passionate about the sport and who doesn't do his job or they're getting paid millions of dollars. They're making more this year than you and me, DJ, man, making like 10 or 20 years. And they're doing it by trolling people. And I think that's that's ridiculous. Get someone in there who knows what they're doing, who's respectable in their field and who players like. Literally, yeah, that's it all. All this is about the drama. Like, let's get two characters on who have opposite views. So we start drama. We start saying insane takes. And then everyone just click, you know, everyone clicks on the articles or retweets it or, you know, quote tweets and says this dude's a moron. And it's all for the numbies. But it's why don't we get people who are actually good at their job? Like who actually can like JJ Reddick, for instance, he's been doing some, you know, more NBA analysis. I don't know if you've listened to, and he's been spot on with some of his takes. Like I really like listening to him. He seems like he knows what he's talking about and he just says it like he is. And, you know, there's some, I think Kendrick Perkins a lot of times says it like it is, but he's also an idiot. So like sometimes when he says something, it's just dumb, but at least he's trying to say what, you know, he's at least trying to stay true to himself so, like, I respect that, even though sometimes the things he says is just ridiculously stupid. Like, I think he said something about Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown would never work together, which was just wrong. It just because they clearly do work together. But at least he's being true to himself. Uh, but sometimes he's just an idiot. Whereas, like, Skip and, you know, Stephen A, sometimes they're just being intentionally stupid just to piss people. It's, like, so annoying. It's so frustrating. Because then it gets to you because then you get mad about it. But that's what they wanted. So then you can't get mad about it, but you want to get mad about it. It's this whole thing. And it's ridiculous how they've done this, where it's like, if you if you come on and you talk about a sport in an educated manner, that's not entertaining enough. We need someone who's going to be over the top dramatic so that like we increase our views, which I get it. The bottom line is all about the numbies, but it's we've lost some credibility in our you know sports news reporting because of this kind of thing that the Skip Bayless effect, if you want to call it that, or the Stephen A effect, where you have to act over the top. I mean, look what Lonzo L- Lamar Ball did, or Lavar, Lavar, not Lamar, geez. Lavar, yeah. Lavar Ball did. Like he he got his kids noticed, and I mean they're they're they are really good and really talented, uh, but he got them noticed by just saying absurd stuff that like they're better than Jordan and stuff, and people clicked on it and it worked. Like it does work, so it's it's annoying, but it's the situation we're in, I guess. Yep, that's exactly right, and that's the yeah, that's what's come with sports media is it's not as much about the analysis or anything like that it's about who can get the most views and sometimes clickbait is what does it yep yeah and i i don't know what to do do we just need to start saying absurd stuff kyle and maybe we'll get we'll go from the how many ever listeners to a billion yeah we'll just throw out atrocious takes like i I don't think LeBron's number nine. I think he's like 19 <laughs> all time. Yeah. Something dumb like that. You're telling me Karan Butler's worse than LeBron? Come on now. <laughs> Karan Butler, he was better than LeBron. <laughs> Antoine Jameson, have you heard of him? I know Greg Oden only played like half a season and then never played again, but he was so good in that half season, okay? <laughs> See – well, they agree. But any, I mean, anyone can do that. That's why it doesn't take talent um, just to kind of finally digress here. But it doesn't take talent. Like We can just say off the wall things. Anybody can do that. You don't need to be educated. So that's, again, why it's frustrating that these dudes are getting paid what they're getting paid. But we, we live in a we live in a corrupt world, my guy. And there's nothing we can do about it. Nope, that we that we can't. But one thing we can do about it, though, DJ, is we can rant about stuff in sports. And that's a good transition to 
our favorite segment, the mic drop segment. Before we get into the mic drop segment, I just want to tell the listeners at home, this the Gambling Feud podcast and the Coda Sports Gambling Network is sponsored by the Bet Coda Sportsbook. Bet Coda Sportsbook is the South Dakota-owned and operated sportsbook located in the Midnight Star Casino in Deadwood, South Dakota, serving customers within the state. As you enter the Midnight Star, you are swept into the past with the grand chandel- with the grand staircase, stunning woodwork, and the elegance of the chandelier. They offer the best lines in Deadwood, so stop by and be sure to mention the Coda Sports Gambling Network and you will receive a free Bet Coda t-shirt when you mention them. Please play responsibly. You must be 21 years or older to wager. If you have gambling problems or concerns, call 1-800-522-4700. So people at home who've listened to our show often, DJ, will hear me rant about this, but this is something that's going to wait. This is going to be said this time, and then I'm probably not going to rant about it until uh, maybe September when they let me down again, but... Iowa losing to Richmond was embarrassing. I watched that at work. I had to keep my calm because like I had people around me. I'm in a cubicle and stuff like that. But just from start to finish, it's so embarrassing. And you and I had a conversation about this, like after, after it was over and done with, and we talked about this, but I'm going to say to you, to everyone, what I said to you, I think Fran McCaffrey is the reason for the loss. I do. And because here's the thing, and Iowa fans will know this, they run no sets. It's absolutely atrocious. Like just watching ISO, 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 ISO. And it's been, it's been like that for a while. Like I think about when we had, oh, we'll go all the way back to the, um, the Aaron White days. It was always big time ISO. You know, Roy Devin Marble, it transitioned into Luca Garza and this year to, to Keegan Murray. I'm so sick and tired of pass the ball in, get out of the way. Pass the ball in, get out of the way. Okay, they're double teaming Murray. Okay, pass it out. More ISO, more ISO. Run a freaking set. It is so annoying, the fact that they're always just so spaced out. They're running nothing, and it's just one-on-one ball. You won't win games, and that was exposed. How many good players does Iowa need to be successful? I mean, think about last year's team is probably the best example of it. Bohannon, Wieskamp, Garza. You know, Murray came off the bench. McCaffrey's playing really well. Toussaint was playing really well. And what did we do? We got stopped by Oregon. How many good players is it going to take for them to figure out how to play in March, for them to actually run some sets that work for them and do something that makes them successful when it comes March time? It's so ridiculous. And as an Iowa fan, we deserve better because we've seen better. We know what these guys can do. And we got people who like, will troll Iowa and we deserve it. Like Pace came the second we lost, Pace tweeted at me. And you know what? I was already dead. So it didn't matter to me. My soul was already out of my body. So so his come his clap back to me didn't matter. I did remind him that Iowa at least played in March Madness. But nonetheless, I was already I was already a dead man. I'm so sick and tired of just seeing the same old stuff all the time. No sets, no sets, no sets. ISO, ISO, ISO. And then the complete lack of defense. Iowa might have been top 10 in the nation in scoring. They had to have been one of the worst in points given up. That's yeah. why, like, if you bet an Iowa over, like, it's guaranteed going to hit because they will score a lot of points, but they'll also keep it close by giving up a lot of points. I get your offensive minded and stuff like that, but when you're not scoring like they didn't, like uh, Keegan Murray played absolutely atrocious against Richmond. 
If you're not scoring, then obviously nothing's going to work out for a Fran McCaffrey coach team. This is 1000% in my opinion on Fran McCaffrey and he needs to work his best to get some sets going in the system, find something that works for the players and stop playing freaking ISO ball. Yeah. Spot on. Great rant. Uh, I, yeah, I agree with everything. Uh, I think there's like such a difference between like running a play and just running, like you call a set, like maybe, you know, Murray screens uh, for the ball and then he gets a back screen and gets him in the post. So you didn't really run a play, but you got him his ISO ball moment, but you got it to him on the post, like on the block. Like there's ways to get your star players the ball without like running a specific play. It's more like you said, running a set to get them the ball in a good spot that they can score from. Like for Bohannon, really a set for him is just getting him an open three, which it's not that hard to do. And what really upset me is at the end of the game when it was basically over and they had that out of bounds play, they got a wide open dunk for Murray. Like they ran a perfect play back screen for Murray and he got a wide open dunk and slammed it. And I'm just like, where was this when we couldn't score? Where was this type of play? Because these kids are, they're kids. Like at the end of the day, these college kids are kids. So to expect them to be able to, you know, get through droughts and such in the middle of March Madness in a stadium they've never played in, you know, it's tough. So you got to help them out as much as you can. And I think March Madness truly shows like who's a good coach and who's not. And I don't want to spoil my mic drop, but when these teams are, you know, going on these droughts, you need something to get them going. And that starts with the coach. And defensively, I don't even have enough time in the world to address how poor Iowa was. My, my quickest way to explain it, Kyle Korver was not a great defender, but his defensive IQ was so high. He was always in the right position. He just wasn't athletic enough to make the play. That's just how it was. But he was always in the right position. That's how Iowa defenders should be. Like, worst-case scenario, Iowa defenders should be in the right positions. Now, no offense to Jordan Bohannon, but he's not athletic enough to guard some of those guards. Like, uh, especially um, who was the guy from Illinois that just left? Uh, Io. Io. Yeah, Io. Ayanasimu or something like that. Yeah, I couldn't say his last. I wanted to make you say it because I couldn't say it. But, like, he's not going to be able to guard him. Like, if he gets switched on him, he's not going to – but he should be able to put himself in the right positions to be, you know, stick a hand up or do something. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to guard some people if you're not as athletic, which, generally speaking, Iowa teams are less athletic. That's just how it is. But they should be in the right defensive positions. And the amount of times I saw Iowa defenders, more importantly, Keegan Murray, in just awful positions where it's like – this is something you can work on in practice. This is something you should have figured out by now. Like it's not that hard to know where you should be at all times. Now making the right play in that instance, yeah, that's difficult. Like that's the hard part, but at least being in the right place. Cause I remember Kyle Corver, I think he blocked Jalen Brown and everyone was freaking out. And I'm like, he was in a perfect position. Like it's Kyle Corver. He's always going to be in the perfect position. He's just never going to make the play. And it happened to be that he made one. Um, but it's the defensive IQ is something that Fran misses and the team clearly didn't learn all season when they got embarrassed by a Richmond team who then got embarrassed by Providence. It was destroyed by Providence. Yeah, it was bad. It was really bad. And it hurt because I had my hopes up and I know not to do that with Iowa, but I do it anyway. And then they just come crashing down. I don't know. I 
can you get a better coach than Fran at Iowa? Probably not. Who who wants to come to Iowa City to coach basketball? Probably nobody. So he's probably the best. He's probably the best they got. But like I expect better. He's making millions of dollars. I assume he's got to do better. At least at least get them more prepared. And like you said, run more sets. There's so much more he could have done that he didn't. And that's that's why we're so frustrated, Kyle. That's why we're right. destroyed inside. It's because he didn't he didn't give it his all. It's and- yeah. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you. you're good. I, I was wrapping it up there. You're good. Uh, the going back to what you were saying about like how much he makes, I think he's the third highest, like highest, like salaried person in the state of Iowa. I think Ference is obviously one. I think Matt Campbell makes more than him, but then it's him. Like you're the third highest person in the state, my guy. And the last thing I'll say, DJ, before I wrap it up to you, this is not really a hot take. Like some people who aren't Iowa fans. We'll think whoa whoa he can't believe he's saying that but like if you're an Iowa fan you'll agree with me if 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 his if their dad wasn't the coach Connor and Patrick McCaffrey wouldn't even be playing on a basketball team I I agree with I believe Connor but isn't Patrick like the the taller little younger one with the black hair yeah 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 he's not bad he's not good but he's not bad uh, he wouldn't be starting, but I could see him being a six man like he is. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. He wouldn't, he wouldn't start. Yeah, and like I think he played better at the end of the year, which is when I seemed to watch more of their games um, because I gave up on them mid season when they were awful and it was gross basketball. I just don't like watching gross basketball when it comes down to it. So if you put out a gross yeah. product, yeah, why do you think I don't like watching you and I games? But again, another side note. But yeah, I, I think the the Patrick. Yeah, I think Patrick is decent. Like he's smart. He was hitting threes. He played like he's he's decent. Uh, the rest of the McCaffrey boys are trash. Like I don't know how they ever saw the floor. And you're right. You're right. It's not. Even, you're right. It, they they would not see the floor if their dad wasn't the coach. But Patrick, he would definitely see the floor somewhere. In Patrick maybe, but Connor for sure would yeah, not. No chance. Never. He's not good at all in any way. Doesn't bring any value to the team. Other than just playing games, he has a lot of games under his belt. That's all. I would, yeah. that's, that's the only positive attribute. Correct. Yep. <laughs> uh, but yeah, kind of transition off, you know, Iowa and scoring and all that fun stuff. There has been in this March Madness tournament an insane amount of scoring droughts, like an asinine amount of scoring droughts. Um, I've seen almost every team at some point in the March Madness tournament has gone on a five minute plus scoring drought. And that to me is ridiculous. Like, and that comes down to coaches draw up a play, like have some sort of play or multiple plays and be smart. And when you can't get a bucket, get to the free throw line. Yeah. You you might get blocked a couple of times. But if you go hard at the rim enough and you draw up the right plays or even get an open three for a good shooter, okay, he misses the first, draw up another one, get it right back to him. Be like, you're making this, you're a great shooter. Um, and it's just like the coach is just like, ah, let them play. It's it's like when refs don't call, you know, they're, they're not calling anything. It's like they're just letting them play. I feel like that's what coaches do sometimes. It's like, ah, just let them play. And these kids are – they're kids. They're, they're 20 years old. They're 18 years old. They, they're, they're dumb. They're young. They haven't experienced life. Like, they get all, you know, frantic in the moment and – Next thing you know, your team's on a five to ten. I've seen I, I saw like a 13 minute scoring drought on one game. I'm just like, dude, how do you not call a timeout and be like, all right, this is the play we're gonna run. This is what like just draw it out, walk them step by step. All right, if this doesn't work, next time we're in the half court, we're doing this. You know, if we have the numbers on a fast break, boys, run 
a fast break. Like you guys should know how to do a fast break, get an open three or an open layup. That's our fast break standards. If I'm yelling no numbers and you can see that we don't have the numbers, pull it back and run our half court set that I have, you know, right. And like, it, it shouldn't be hard to have sets. Like I, me and Al buddy can draw up plays all day. And I'm sure you can too, Kyle, like to get good players, the ball at the end of the day, the coach knows his team strengths the best. And so we should know how to get his best players, the ball where they're best at, you know, Luca Garza, get him the ball in the post, but you could also do like a pop screen with him because he can shoot the three. Like there's multiple ways to get him the ball. So like when I was going on that scoring drought, get Keegan Murray, the ball on the block and clear everybody out, keep everybody out. And if you want, you could do a back screen on the backside to set up a cut and like a pop three so that if they double, you can hit the cut or you can hit the pop three. Like there's so many different things to do and they're not that complicated. And it's ridiculous that teams go on massive scoring droughts. Take one time out, give whoever your leader is on that team a stern, like, Hey, we need a bucket here. Like you got it. Like, I, I don't know, Kyle, it doesn't seem that hard to me, but every team went through massive scoring droughts. So maybe it's just impossible and I'm making it very hard on coaches. I don't know. No, I mean, first of all, very, very well said. I mean, that, all the way around like was was spot on um so just from you know i i coach basketball like that's not a flex it's just me being real i coach basketball the biggest thing to me that i noticed in march madness is teams that go on the scoring droughts they force they don't let the plays happen and stuff like that you have i would assume any team in march madness has a motion offense so run the motion offense run it through and get a good look off of it and if the motion offense isn't working run your sets just do something like that. But the problem was an Iowa, a big example of this. And then I think about like Kentucky when Kentucky was playing was whenever they went on those scoring drafts, they were forcing, they weren't running through their sets. They weren't running motion. That's the problem. And like you said, like do something on a fast break, draw a foul, do something to gain confidence again. But it all comes down to at the end of the day, run through your sets, take time off the clock, get a good shot. So you can gain that confidence and move forward. Forcing shots is what's keeping you in that scoring drought. Spot on. Yeah, I, I, I do think, you know, you get down 10 early and these young, you know, 20 year olds are freaking out and like, we got to get something up and they throw up, you know, a deep contested two or a deep three. It's like, we can get that at any point in the shot clock. There could be three seconds left. We can get that shot. Let's get a shot. We like, let's work it around and see if we can get a better shot. And I think there's so many ways you can draw up sets that lead into motion. Like, all right, we're going to run, you know, like blue or whatever. Well, let's run the play blue and blue is a, is a set that leads into motion. So if it doesn't work, if you don't get the look you want, you're just in motion, you're flowing. And that's when your basketball IQ should kick in. Like at, at the beginning of the season, your basketball IQ should be at the lowest point. It should only go up as you play more games and the coach is able to teach like basketball IQ is everything. That's why LeBron is as good as he is. His basketball IQ is one of the highest we've ever seen. He knows the game so well. It's, oh, I just get, I just, it's upsetting that these coaches are making all this money, yet their teams are just as dumb as it comes when it comes to basketball IQ. It's like, what have you taught them at all this season other than just playing games? I, I just get, I, again, it's probably a lot harder than I'm making it out to be, but I think it's also a lot simpler than the coaches make it, if that makes sense. No, you're absolutely right. And at, at the point of March Madness is when you should be playing your best basketball. You shouldn't be having those mental errors and stuff like that. And we've seen a lot of that this March Madness. Spot on. Yeah, that's exactly it. All right, DJ. So before we bring on our guest for our uh, MLB preview, we're going to do a new segment here that we're uh, just pretty simply calling the top five list. So basically um, – 
what this is, is we're going to do just a top five list of just any random thing, whether it be about sports, outside of sports, is just the top five. Uh, we'll post our list on Twitter all the time. Be sure to follow us at Feud Gambling on Twitter, and you can tell us what you like about our list. Roast us on something that, whether you like disagree with the order, or if we forgot about somebody, or you don't think somebody should be on our list, just let us know. That's that's what we're here for. But this week, DJ, before we transition to our MLB preview, let's talk a little fantasy baseball. So fantasy baseball right around the corner. I got a draft coming up here soon. I know a lot of people are drafting right away. Uh, top five fantasy pitchers. So obviously you're a bigger baseball guy than I. So I'll go first just so people can more listen to your list than mine. But um, so my top five list, obviously this is based off stuff from last year and just like potential I can see for this year. Um, number five, a guy who's a little bit older, but I think the team he's on is going to have success. I'm going to go Max Scherzer, number five. I think, um, you know, last year he's up there in age, but he's still having unbelievable numbers. He went, he had a 15 and four record. He had a 2.46 ERA, 235 Ks, all top five in the MLB. So people can say, well, he's getting older. He's still dealing at the age he is. So I still think he's a good a uh, fancy pitcher to get in one of your top rounds if he's available. So I like him. Uh, my number four, I'm going to go with uh, his teammate, Walker Bueller. Again, he's a very, very younger pitcher, but he's. Hey, you said Max Scherzer, right? Scherzer's on the Dodgers, is he not? No, he's on the Mets now. Okay, uh, Pace cut that part. So when you said his teammate, I thought you were saying Jacob deGrom, which again, made sense. It's like, oh, Jacob deGrom's top five. And then you said Walker Bueller. I'm like, wait, no, no. Scherzer's on the Mets. So, yeah, I, you got me right away. But okay, nonetheless, well, you're, you're good. It, we'll, make a, sure, we'll make sure Pace cuts that part. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so not his teammate, but <laughs> a, a, fellow, a, a former teammate. There we Walker go. Bueller, uh, he's just a very, very young pitcher. He's on the up and up, though. He's been a uh, really, really solid season last year. 16 and four record 2.47 ERA. That's the third best in the MLB. And he's on a team that's going to make him successful. So I really, really like uh, Walker Bueller. Number three, um, rival of me and DJ's Cubs, but he is, he's going to be potentially be the best pitcher in the league. And that's Corbin Burns from the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, he led the MLB in ERA. He had a 2.43 ERA, which is phenomenal for, a 27-year-old pitcher, kind of in the prime right now. And he was fifth in the league in strikeouts with 234. Um, number number two, kind of a guy who went on a little bit of a downward spiral, but I think he has what it takes to bounce back this year, and that's Garrett Cole. I think Garrett Cole is still, even though like he had like more of a down year, but 16 and 8 for a down year is pretty dang good. And he still had 243 Ks. I think he has potential to be better than that this year and i think he's the second best pitcher number one might surprise you dj but i know he was pretty injury prone last year but until he can prove to me that he's not the best pitcher in the league then i'll move him down but i think jacob Degrom's the number one pitcher i just think it's pretty tough to what before he got hurt i mean he was given up one or two runs his his record was diluted in my opinion because he would be giving up one or two runs, but the Mets would score like one or zero. Like it was, it, it was just nuts to me. And, and I think we talked about this last year. It was pretty funny. Whenever you look at like Mets lines, like sometimes 
the Mets will be a little favored on the money line or they'll be a little bit of an underdog. The second that Jacob deGrom pitches, you're looking at Mets money line at like minus 200 plus. Minimum. I mean, that's how big yeah. of a difference that Jacob deGrom makes. But I know, like I said, he was injury prone, which is why some people have him a little lower on their list. But like I said, until he can prove to me that he's not the number one pitcher in the league, he's going to stay where he is at number one. So I like Jacob deGrom as my number one. So just really quick. I got Max Scherzer at five, Walker Bueller at four, Corbin Burns at three, Garrett Cole at two, and Jacob DeGrom at one. All righty. So I don't want to give a spoiler, but we do have the same top five. The order's a little different. Order's a little different, but we do have the same top five. I think uh, the only people I think you could add that weren't on either of our list would be either Brandon Woodruff with Milwaukee or Shane Bieber. Uh, Shane Bieber obviously got rocked last year. Brandon Woodruff uh, is a win machine and a low ERA kind of guy, uh, but he doesn't get as many strikeouts as some of those other guys, and he hasn't been as consistent. In baseball, there's one thing, and that's consistency. Consistency is key. Anybody can pop off for a season. Anybody can pop off for a month. My case, uh, my point and example would be Chris Colabello with the Twins. He was leading the league in RBIs after the first month of baseball. By the end of the season, he was not on a team. That is how baseball works. Like, consistency is key. You can do really well. So, my list definitely factors in consistency because I think that's a big thing uh, to be able to produce every year. Uh, and it's also just a little bit of recency bias as well. Uh, but my number five, I believe, is going to be the same in Max Scherzer. Uh, Max Scherzer is a high strikeout guy. He will have a slightly higher ERA. It kind of depends if you're doing categories or a point system. Kyle, I'm kind of curious. What is your league? Categories or point system? Uh, it's point system. Okay. I, I much approve of that. The category system is so outdated and so, like, you can lose by one steal and you lose the entire – like, you lose the entire mm -hmm. point. It's like, but you only had one more than me. And then, let's say home runs, you beat them by, like, 25. You only get one point. So they beat you by one in steals. You beat them by 25 in home runs and you're tied one-to-one. -one. It's it's right. so – the category system is so messed up and so dated. I, I don't like it. So the point system is the way to go. Um, I'm going to actually go at number four. Um, I think you had him number – I actually, yeah, I think you had him number one. I, I have to throw Jacob DeGrom here strictly because he's not going to get as many wins as he should. Strikeouts, ERA, he's going to be phenomenal but he's not going to get wins and wins. Wins are huge. Wins are a lot of points uh, in fantasy baseball. And on the flip side, DeGrom has the injury history. And for a pitcher, that's very alarming. A hitter, it's never as alarming unless they make their living off of their speed. But with a pitcher, as soon as they get injured, it, it's nerve wracking because that's the toughest one to bounce back from. It's the toughest because that's all you really have one piece of you, which it's your arm. And if you can't throw, you, you're kind of useless. Whereas a hitter, you can be injured and it, it doesn't really affect your swing because once you heal up, like, I don't know. I don't know. It just it is what it is. But I, I got to go to Rob just with the risk factor. Uh, I would I would put him four, but and the wins factor. I don't know how many wins he's going to get in comparison to some of the other guys just because the Mets are allergic to scoring runs when he pitches. It's just a fact. Uh, but he will have a low ERA and he will strike out a ton of dudes. So he's a great four guy. For my three guy, I got to go Walker Bueller. He's on probably the best offense in the league. Uh, so he's going to get the most run support. And he's a great pitcher. Like, this dude is young. He's talented, has 
limited injury history and he's been melting. He's proven for, I think, two or three years now that he's elite. Uh, Walker Buehler's a, a, he's a great, I hate it because I hate the Dodgers, but he's great. He's really good. Uh, so yeah, he's probably going to be number three and you, you, you might not see as many strikeouts from him and you might see a higher ERA, but you will get way more wins, way more run support with Walker Buehler than you will with a DeGrom or a Scherzer. Uh, num- yep. Number two, I got to go Corbin Burns here. Corbin Burns, uh, not as, I mean, he was, what did you say, number four, number five in strikeouts, which is solid, but he's not, you know, as heavy of a strikeout guy. Uh, he does not give up runs. He doesn't do it. He's just not in his DNA, and he gets wins. He gets dubs. Milwaukee finds ways to win with him. Uh, he will get you a ton of wins. He won't give up many runs, uh, and he'll, he'll get a decent amount of strikeouts. It's not like he's not going to strike dudes out. And he's been pretty consistent here for about two years now. Uh, yeah, I, I really do like Cor- Corbin Burns. And Milwaukee's just a weird team. They play great defense. I think sometimes you got to people don't factor that in. Uh, but if you're not going to score offense like Milwaukee doesn't, you got to hope they have a great defense. And Milwaukee always does. They always play great D, uh, and they they save. Uh, I think it's like runs saved or something like that in defensive metrics. And Milwaukee's usually generally pretty good at that. Uh, and then lastly, I hate putting him number one, but when you factor in his team's hitting power, his team's ability to score. And his strikeout ability, you got to go Garrett Cole here. And I hate it. He struggled. As soon as they made this, like, basically no substance rule, he struggled, which it does worry me a little bit. Uh, But he is the best pitcher on the Yankees. And the Yankees are going to get a lot of wins. He's going to pitch a lot. He's going to get a lot of innings. Uh, He should get a lot of uh, dubs, as I said. His ERA will probably be slightly higher than some of these other guys. But strikeout-wise, he's going to throw gas. He's going to throw straight gas. He's going to get a lot of Ks. Again, I hate it, but I also think he might be due to regress back to the mean. So last year was a bad year for him. I think he's due to regress to the mean and have a better year this year. Uh, So, yeah, Garrett Cole here is what I'm going. Yeah, I mean, very, very similar. And like I said, there's a lot of other guys you can throw throw in there. And and actually, I wouldn't say not a lot. Like you said, Brandon Woodruff would be one. I think I think that five spots definitely interchangeable with a lot of guys because like we mentioned earlier we don't you don't know who in baseball is going to pop off like you got to take some risk in fantasy baseball if you want to win and you got to you got to draft a guy late who ends up being one of the best pitchers in the league you know and that's how you win fantasy baseball so you got to take some risks uh and that that five spots tough uh there's there's a lot of good guys that's it is and yeah, you, you both the guy like Shane Bieber and Brandon Warder were definitely two guys that I was going to throw in there. The other one I was kind of contemplating until I kind of saw his win loss record was Zach Wheeler, but he just he's just kind of been struck. He's been he's he's on a downward spiral, which is what I noticed, which is why I didn't add him. But I did contemplate him just for the fact that he did have a fairly decent ERA last year, and he was up there in strikeouts. But I did notice, like looking at his stats from prior years to now. He is on a downward spiral, which got him out of my top five. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I mean, historically, from my opinion, he, he had his, one of his better seasons last year. He just been, I don't know. I've never really liked him. I've never thought he was elite, I guess. And if I put him on the top five list, I think he had a decent first half of last year. And then I think he struggled the second half. And I think he's a little overrated. If you, if you were to put him in that top five spot, just because we've only seen, half a season of like great pitching and the rest has been good to average. 
so that, that's my thoughts on Zach Wheeler, but uh, I could be wrong. Nope. I mean, that's very well said. So uh, let's go on, DJ. We got a electric guest picker, not a guest picker, but just an electric extra analyst that we're going to be adding on. We are going to preview every MLB division and talk a little bit about each, about some of the teams and some World Series odds. So if you're ready, let's get to it. All right, so now we are on to our MLB preview. Obviously, MLB starting up very, very soon, thankfully. We were kind of getting worried there with the lockout. But joining us for a little MLB analyst from the High and Inside podcast, Mr. Alex Long. How are you doing today, sir? I am good as always. I'm golden. I am ready for baseball to start, though. I, it's been it's been too fucking long. It has been way too long. Like, I love me some baseball. It's my best betting Definitely my best betting trends is in baseball. And it's something about everyone else hating on baseball and calling it boring makes me love it more. And so I'm, I'm fucking ready. I'm fucking ready. <clears throat> yeah. And that's, yeah, that's well said. And I, I just despise people who say like, it's such a boring sport because like, you don't like at JT. Yep. <laughs> at JT all the way for sure. Yeah, for sure. No. Um, my, my first question for you, Alex, before we actually talk about baseball, is we, a couple, last episode had on uh, Willie Naylor. Do you know him? Are you good friends with him? Yeah, I am, I am actually pretty close with Willie Naylor. We both have that uh, UNI kind of uh, connection there. He knows DJ from uh, UNI. I know DJ from UNI. So we yeah. kind of all three connected back there. And yeah, a big fan of Willie Naylor. Tend to agree on almost all of his points. He, he seems like a super, super intelligent guy. <laughs> yeah. Facts. I, I kind of figured, I kind of figured you'd listen to that show, but yeah, that was. Oh, I listen to, I listen to all your guys' shows, but the Willie <laughs> Nail oh, for sure. Appreciate that for sure. <laughs> uh, so I guess this is going to be like Al or DJ, whoever wants to really like dive in about it, but actually hide inside started on Twitter. This actually started before uh gambling feud went on Twitter, but just, can one of you two tell me a little bit about like how the Hine Inside Twitter page started, the baseball end of it, what happened? So I think every time I posted picks on my personal Twitter, it was just an instant loser. And so I came at out the idea of like, hey, what if we should start like a baseball oriented Twitter account and post picks on there? Um, and of course, he liked it, but we needed a name. And that's where Al came up big. Yeah. And yeah. So you want to go over the naming process of how. Yeah. From my, I guess. Yeah. From my point of view is exactly like Deej said is he kind of, he was, he was the bigger, better into it. And he was, he would post his on his Twitter account and, you know, he was trying to keep track of his and all of this. Whereas I was, I would kind of ride along. I'd, I'd kind of give him advice on it and what I think, but I had no dog in this fight. I didn't post any of my shit on Twitter or anything like that. I just, I didn't use my Twitter a whole lot back then. And so we eventually got to the point and then it was, I think it was like our sophomore year of college and we were living together. And it was that, uh, I remember the world or the Dodgers ended up winning the world series, right? Yeah. It was the Dodgers Dodgers with the Astros though. Yeah. 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 And it was, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Astros beat the Dodgers Dodgers with the the Dodgers. But yeah. And we bet against heavily against you Darvish because that was before it came out that he was yeah, tipping right. pitches or that they could read his pitches or that the Astros were banging trash cans is what it ended up coming out to be. You know, the he was tipping pitches was their cover story, but that whole thing. So that 
kind of playoff run is kind of what started it because we both were betting every, every night I was, I was giving him, you know, tips into it. He was putting on his Twitter and I was, I wasn't doing anything with it other than giving him tips and shit. But we were just fucking lighting it up. I was betting on my own account. He was betting on his own account. We both made bank and it got to the point where it was like, damn dude, why, like, why don't we go into this together make a joint account where it's solely dedicated to because baseball is clearly far and away our best betting fucking probably our only profitable sport other than maybe mma for sure yeah maybe mma but that's later in life yeah we we, we've had no run like we had that fucking postseason never and that was truly the the start of high and inside and so yeah we started lighting that up had to come up with a name and i don't really know where the name came from similar to you know i just like to always come up with cool funny nicknames and i mean this it, it just it, it fit it's too perfectly you know one yeah <laughs> one one is we're higher than bat pussy all the time we love you know especially college alex and dj <laughs> that's all we did we got high and we stayed inside playing video games watching sports we didn't go out to the bars like most college kids occasionally yeah like those fucking losers yeah <laughs> No, we were we were making money gambling on baseball and asleep by midnight. And then on top of that, yeah, asleep by midnight. And on top of that, it's the both of our favorite pitch in baseball, the high and inside fucking ched, just right gas them up. You know, they're looking curveball away, slide piece, change up, anything off speed doesn't matter. High and inside, jam them up, gas them up, show them you're the bigger man. It's it's perfect fucking double meaning so it was just a beautiful start and i what is it's feeling like three years now we're on high inside yeah it's 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 taken on a life of its own really it's changed very very drastically from when we first started it but uh i love i love the account the oh yeah the picture too that's jackie moon yeah (laughs) jackie moon buck ass naked with just a ball (laughs) basketball in front of his fucking junk like there's nothing better. And then the Adesanya flicking you off. Yep, yep. No, it's a great account. It gives you sports trends. It gives you – it'll give you some shit talking. It'll give you some betting picks. It, I don't want to say it's the most underrated account out there, but on a per-follower basis, it's the most underrated for account sure. out there. Very high quality. And you guys usually do on the Twitter page, like, one, like, like a value pick every day, and then you do, like, kind of like a lock every day or kind of what's – I, w- I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's definitely not every every day during but, baseball season. Like, yeah. So we've been on yeah. the off season for a while, so yeah. we haven't tweeted as often. Yeah. During no baseball. Ba- baseball season for sure is when we're much more active. And I again, even during baseball, it's not every day because specifically with that account, we try to be positive <laughs> with our bets. And so we don't force bets. Yep. It's, sure. it's ones, the ones we tweet at that, at this point, you know, a year three or whatever we're at with this account, you know, when we first started, it was, yeah, we, were, we, were it. we were tweeting everything. But at this point, it's just our locks. So when me and DJ come together and we talk in the mornings about the layout of baseball games, you know, we go through everything. It's only the one that we both agree. No, th- th- this one's hitting for sure. Yep. This one, like, and we if we both come together and is there, we have no arguments against each other. That's the one we tweet. If we can't come to a complete agreement and like sway the other person, no, that, yeah, this one's hitting for sure and sway the other one, we don't tweet it. He might bet it, you know, if, if I think something DJ kind of disagrees, I'll bet it. We don't tweet it to our account. That's kind of what makes the account special and makes it go positive. I think the way it does is because it t- 
takes both of our fucking knowledge and it's not a lot up there, but in terms of baseball, I think if you add both of us together, we can get above 50%. Okay. Oh, so it's, so it's, a, so it's a mutual thing between the two of you with the picks that you tweet out. We, we both have access to the account. For yep. sure. For sure. D, again, Deej definitely more heavily is involved with it. He definitely runs more of it. If it wasn't for Deej, the account wouldn't exist. <laughs> it's, it's always him hitting me up. Hey, I'm looking to tweet something out. What do you, what do you think of these lines? And I'll send me like 10 lines. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of break them down back to him and then we try to meet on one. So it's a hundred, like way more deeds than me, but it's definitely both of our brain power involved. And that's what, you know, kind of keeping each other in check with the baseball knowledge there. Sure. Spot on. That's spot on. Uh, and then real quick, before we get diving into all the divisions and stuff like that for, I know D just talked a little bit about it himself, but uh, out. What do we got there? DJ. Oh, the, I like the picture, the Cubs World Series. Oh, yeah. Love that. I was, I was preluding to your question. I, oh, I figured okay. I knew what you were going to ask, but just just pretend I didn't do any of that. Okay, no, I was just – It was terrible enough. audio because that was all video, but, yeah, just carry on. No, we're I, – I, I mean, if people expect professional stuff from Gambling Feud, I mean, you've been listening to the wrong podcast. Wrong place. <laughs> uh, no, what I was going to ask was just – for Al, I know DJ's talked a little bit about it, but uh, where did like the love for baseball come? Did you play a little bit in high school? And I guess what are like, uh, what's your favorite uh, MLB team as well? Um, yeah, so my love for baseball, I, I, I've, I've been playing baseball as long as I can remember. I mean, my both my dad and my granddad were high school baseball coaches, and so like I, that's all I remember going to their baseball practices, hitting off the tee as before I could walk. You know, that's just running around, chasing, you know, being the ball boy, being the bat boy for the high school team. And baseball was all I knew for sure. And so, like, that was definitely one of my favorite passions growing up. And I gained a lot of knowledge through both my dad and my granddad. I'm not a big fan of my granddad, but he knows a shitload about baseball. And I gained a lot of that from him. And just as much from just sitting around watching the game. My dad has watched, I feel like, every single Chicago Cubs game from the second I was born. <laughs> you know, if, if it's baseball season, that he has Cubs baseball going on in the background. I, I, even if they're not playing, he'll watch a fucking replay. He's weird. <laughs> and so, like, it's just been always going on. So, like, it's impossible for me not to appreciate the small things in baseball when I've been forced to watch it that much. It's like I watched the Cubs when they were a joke year after year after year because my dad forced me to. And so it's like, yeah, now that they're good for sure. I've fucking, yeah, I love to watch them. And so, yeah, that kind of leads you to my second answer is, yeah, no, I, Cubs are my favorite team. And I die hard Cubs fan. Like I said, I loved them when they were absolute ass, loved them when they were good. Now we are middle of the pack right in purgatory and seem to be staying there and i will continue to love them anyway but uh two yeah I, I i did play a little bit in high school i was nothing nothing special <laughs> the definition of an average average baseball player but uh i loved every moment of it love the uh intellectual aspect of the game the fact that it's so slow and it involves you have to think three steps ahead and so yeah it there's something about baseball and like i said before something about everyone else hating on it 
and calling it so boring and that makes me love the fine pieces even more two, two quick stories here though one of the main reasons me and al became friends is through baseball um because we had our friend group and like me and al like we were cool with each other but we didn't like fuck heavy with each other and then we started he realized i played mlb the show and so freshman year he's, he's so then me and him just started playing a ton of mlb sh- the show together well, and like just getting the, to talk baseball through that yeah, yeah real quick i both me and DJ, like heavy video game dudes, like would always big into franchise, big into franchise, building your own team, stuff like that. Also, Faye JT, super heavy into that. The only problem is Faye JT doesn't like baseball. <laughs> so me and JT, childhood friends since like first grade, we played every franchise possible and we've like beat every franchise possible in every sport other than baseball. Because he just didn't like it, so we just didn't really take on that challenge. And I get to college, and I'm like, oh, this fella next door plays the show? Oh, he plays franchise? Oh, shit, he's a Cubs fan, too. Oh, it's over. It's, it's over. Like, we, I shit you not, we watched, the, uh, we watched the Cubs win the 2016 World Series from separate rooms less than, like, 10 feet apart. But we didn't, we didn't know each other that no, well at like, the time. No, at all. like, uh, it was just, like, first couple months of college so we didn't know each other we heard each other screaming <laughs> from the room over but just like didn't watch the game with each other yet <laughs> because we just weren't close but it was mlb the show that was like oh no i should be this dude's friend yeah no this this dude's too this dude's cool as fuck like for sure and yeah since then we just started hitting gangers with schwarber and it was the rest is history yep and then, shit show since then yep and then my other my other quick story here i gained al's dad's respect because i came over to his <laughs> place one time after the cubs had played a game and i start talking to him about the cubs game and i like to say i i know enough about baseball to sound intellectual so i'm talking about jose quintana start i'm like yeah he actually looked really good today like he had control of the curveball and i'm breaking down the game and then afterwards i was like yeah my dad's like he actually knows his shit like he kind of respect like he respected you after that because he didn't really know me but after breaking down, just simply breaking down a game, he's like, oh, yeah, like I watched the same game. Like the things he's saying is accurate. So I, I gained Al's dad's respect oh, yeah. uh, by talking baseball. So. My dad's a quick judgment type of guy. <laughs> so it's, it's make or break. DJ came over, spouted off some fucking shit talk about how shitty the Cubs were playing. My dad's like, yep, this guy knows his shit. The Cubs are playing shitty right now. Oh, that's funny. Uh, I know the interview has gone on a little longer than maybe we wanted to, but really, really quick. I'm just curious since all three of us are Cubs fans. Uh, I guess just thinking about like all time Cubs, like who like, or some of like your favorite Cubs players of all time, obviously like Chris Bryant's um, definitely up there for me, but the guy that actually got me to like the Cubs way, way back in the day, I was a huge Derek Lee fan back in the day. And he was the guy to get me to like the Cubs. I'm just curious about you two who kind of got you into liking the Cubs and just like your like all-time like favorite in, my, in your opinion that that Derek Lee Aramis Ramirez and Giovanni Soto mm-hmm. that team was that team was the first team like when I actually kind of understood baseball uh and that team was lit for me uh also then the second wave of like Starlin and Rizzo were another one where like I, I bought my Rizzo jersey when they lost 100 games and then I was wearing it like four or five years later when they won a hundred games. And it was just like, so surreal. Like I watched Rizzo go over four with four strikeouts in the Chicago stadium. And I was just like, no, he's my guy. Like, I love this man. 
And then, you know, to watch him four years later to really develop and stuff. So that the 2008 team definitely, like, I was like, yeah, I'll fuck with this team. And then obviously later, yeah, Alfonso Soriano was a G. It was he was on that away team too, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. No, yep. I was I was gonna say yep, that was the no, one I was missing. Yeah, no, you it, that was definitely mine that you took. Damn you know, it, so mine. That, no, no, you're good. <laughs> Come on, like it was that Derek Lee team or Almas Ramirez for sure. Loved them. My guy, like growing up when I was you know first through like fourth grade, the one that I tried to mimic his batting style, all of that, Alfonso Soriano. I dude. That leadoff hitter with the speed could hit a dinger. Like uh, he was, it, it was nuts. And like, that was right around the first, you know, when I'm starting to pay attention to baseball and he was just, he, he had a different type of pop. He could do everything. I, I fucking loved him. The one that, you know, really started making me become a fan of the Cubs though, had to be, I got to throw it back to Sammy Sosa. Yep. Yep. You know, I was a kid, so I didn't, you know, I was real young. I didn't see a whole lot of it. But just because of how big he was to my dad, like we had a cat named after Sammy Sosa. We had multiple posters, literally story after story of Sammy Sosa. And then like, as we're growing up, you know, pretty young, it's the whole Sammy Sosa and the steroid thing going on. So like his name's all over in the fucking headlines. It's like, yeah, dude, no, Sammy Sosa, Sammy Sosa is the Cubs when you're, when you're a kid, like when we were, when we were just growing up, he was the Cubs. So he was the one that got me into it. Alfonso Soriano after that. And then, you know, there are so many, so fucking many, you know, Starlin Castro, again, when I got to high school, he was the one I mimicked my uh, batting stance after. And I still have all the respect in the world. And I wish the Cubs wouldn't have gotten rid of Starlin Castro for fucking some Warren, (laughs) some reliever from the Yankees, (laughs) like just to get rid of him. Like, I, I felt like we did him a little dirty. He was around through all the dark times, kind of lifted us up into contention. And then right before we get to the cusp, just get rid we of We got yeah. rid of him. I felt like we fucked him for that. I love Starlin, but time for another day. Javi, well, for I, I don't know if anyone will ever pass Javi as my favorite Cub of all time. Like, I know I'm only fucking 24 and I have a lot of Cubs <laughs> players left. But, dude, the things Javi did, like, Got some. I got a hobby jersey over here. I got a hobby fucking signed Fuck. signed picture up here. I Fuck. I, I fucking love hobby, dude. He 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 did stuff that's not supposed to happen on a baseball field. Like they just showed the highlight the other day of them. You know, it was a bad throw to first, and it pulled the guy off first base. And hobby starts running back towards home plate instead of the guy just tagging first. He starts chasing him down home plate. Yep. Back towards home plate. You know, then throws it you know guy going from third try steals home javi sits there he's celebrating that he scored he's like wait <laughs> no one's covering first javi runs the first gets the first they try to chase him down overrun him he's like shit no one's covering second javi cut javi gets a double and an rbi single on what should have been a ground out like no other player in baseball does that type of shit how many times has he stolen home that's not a thing like, I don't care what his batting average is, strikeout percentages, that type of shit. The dude has that it factor. He does type, he does shit that is not, you don't expect. You can't expect. And he just, yeah, yeah I fucking, I have all the respect and love in the world for Javi. I, I don't know if I'll ever love a player like him. I wish the Cubs wouldn't let him go, but hope him all the best with the Tiggers. Mm-hmm. 100%. 
All right. Well, no, this was this was good. I'm glad we got to just chit chat a little bit, talk a little bit about the Cubs. But yeah, let's just dive in. So we're going to go through every single uh, division. We'll go over um, the future odds to win the division. You guys just talk a little bit about like teams who you think have value and teams you predict will win the division. So if you fellas are ready, let's begin with let me get to this. Here we go. The AL East. So uh Projected favorite to win the AL East is the Rays at plus 215. Uh, Yankees and Blue Jays, very, very close behind them at plus 225. The Red Sox at plus 450. And the Orioles, the highest team or the highest, the lowest odds to win the division out of any team in the MLB at plus 15,000. So, um, really, really quick for me, I'll just go quick because you guys are, I'm, I'm a big baseball guy, but you two are definitely more so than me. Um, I said it last year. I really, really like the Rays. Like I think DJ said it before. The the Rays don't have the star player, but they have a bunch of really good players. And to me, that just spells a dangerous team. I think they're gonna have no. I wouldn't say no issue, but I think they're gonna be just fine going up against those guys that are like big time star players. And um, I think they'll be good. I really, really like their pitching rotation with Glasnow and, um, oh, I'm missing. Hang on a second here. They just got Kluber. And then on top of that, who's their number one? I just looked. Uh, Blake and Blake Snell. Or no, Snell's on. Yeah. They got Ryan Ryan Yarbrough. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Pace, cut that again. I've been doing terrible with teams. (laughs) uh, Nonetheless. I still think the Rays rotation is really, really solid this year. I caught myself with Snell, by the way. So just reuse that home that want to roast me. I did catch myself. And then not really much value, but I do think if the Rays don't win, I think the Yankees will just because of all the star hitters they have. Uh, DJ and I talked about it earlier. I think Garrett Cole is going to have an unbelievable season this year. And like DJ said, just for the fact that his strikeout ratings are so incredibly high and they also can score runs. So he's going to get a lot of, a lot of wins because of it. So I think if the Rays don't win the Yankees will. So that's my thoughts. Uh, DJ Al, whoever wants to go, what do you guys got? Yeah. So I think the blue Jays are probably one of the most fun, like young teams in the league. Like they're crazy young. I think their fourth guy in the rotation is Alex Mineo and he's like 21, maybe 22. He's super young. I think they got like two dudes in the minor league system that are also crazy young. I think McKay, maybe Brendan McKay sounds right. Um, so yeah, the, 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 the uh, Blue Jays are so young. They're crazy young. They're such a fun team. I just think they're a couple years ahead of schedule here. So I don't I don't like them. They'll definitely compete, uh, but I just don't think they have the veteran horses. Uh, the Red Sox are probably the only value play in this league um, just because they're the Red Sox and they do have some star power. Uh, but when push comes to sub, if I have to choose a lock, I'm choosing Rays over Yankees because I hate the Yankees, uh, obviously. Now the Yanks are good, but the Rays, as you you know described, are just so many average players uh, versus you know those couple star players. Uh, and the Rays also, you know, they they got Corey Kluber, uh, they got Shane McClain from last year who lightened it up. Uh, they got Yarborough, and they got they're just they're, their bullpen is insane too. So wow. Rays, yeah, yeah, yep. So Rays for the lock, Red Sox for the value play. And like I said, if, if you don't like baseball and you want to choose a team, dude, choose the Blue Jays. They are going to be so much fun for a the next time. Yeah. They, a, a long time. Yep. 
But yeah, no, um, I'll, I'm going to make this quick with this one or as quick as I possibly can. <laughs> it goes on for 10 minutes. Yeah, if you've listened to any of my podcasts, you know nothing I say is quick. But I, as DJ said, I, I like the Rays the most. I mainly because of how they play the game in baseball, not because of who they have. They play the most team baseball of anyone. But, um, you know, overall, I think the AL East is probably the best, you know, the best, if not one of the top three best divisions of baseball. Like you have th- four, I'm mean, yeah. realistically four that can compete. I say three because I don't respect the Yankees even slightly, but DJ hit a spot on blue Jays, really good, really talented. All of the pieces are there just a year early. They're just, you know, not, I just don't think they're quite there yet. I don't think they're quite ready to get over that hump. I think the Rays have all the pieces in play. You know, they play really good baseball. They play the small ball form of baseball. There's no one guy that you have to avoid. Every single batter from one through nine can hurt you. And they do it the right way. I like the Rays. They did it for an entire year last year and did it well. So I have no doubt that they can do it again without that star power. And value-wise, it's the Red Sox. They have way too, like, that infield very De- Devers, Story, Bogarts, like that's insane. Yeah. If at plus four fifty, like the, those dudes could do some damage. I mean, they still got Chris Sale at pitchers. Like they, they, they got dudes. They have some star power at the Red Sox. Yeah, plus, plus four fifty. I definitely, I definitely like Red Sox at plus four fifty. But uh, yeah, like I said, I think AL East definitely your your spiciest division there. Other than the Orioles, I could see each one of these teams oh. leading at some point. Yeah, in time I, I in would, the I would, I would not be surprised. Like I wouldn't blink an eye if any one of those other four teams won the division. Yep. I'd be like, yeah, no, that makes sense. With the other two being like wild cards. Yeah. Like yeah. I could see three teams from the ALEs going. Like they're yeah. just oh, for sure. Yeah. They're just good. I roasted the Orioles lineup last year, and the guy I roasted him having a pretty decent season. You so roasted Mountcastle, didn't you? Ryan Mountcastle. Yep. Mountcastle's the G. He's good. Yep. All right. So that's the AL East. Let's transition out to the AL Central. So a uh, pretty clear favorite in the AL Central being the White Sox at minus 225, followed by the Tigers and the Twins at plus 600, the Guardians at plus 1100, and the Royals at plus 1200. So fairly obvious. I think we're all three of us are going to go. Maybe, maybe not. But as far as value goes, I'm crazy enough going to say the twins just for the fact that they just signed Carlos Correa, um, Gary Sanchez. They just, I know people are roasting Gary Sanchez, but he's a home run hitter. He can, he can, there's a lot of stuff he does, does bad, but he can get you, you the home runs. Twins fielded last year. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think he he's an upgrade. That. He's yeah. an upgrade at, for the twins. Yeah, for sure. You can argue that. hundred percent. Yeah. And so I just think those two signings can help them tremendously. And I still think that they have the potential to, make a little bit of run, maybe get a wild card position. I just don't think there's anybody stopping the White Sox this year. You know, that I know they lost uh, Rodon to the Giants, but I, they still have a heck of a pitching rotation. I just think all five, all five like you can face any of those five guys and you're going to be struggling on, on a day. And I think that's, that's very, very dangerous. And I think, um, yeah, I think they're – they got potential to go really, really far. Like last year, like DJ said, they were fairly young and that's where they couldn't maybe go far in the playoffs. 
But I think that with a little bit of experience in their belt, I think they could make a run this year. So I like the Twins for value, and I like the White Sox to win. Yeah, spot on. So for like second teams, I know Al is kind of a you know Mets fan a little mm-hmm. bit, and me yeah. just location wise, I know the Twins a lot. Like I, I used to love Joe Maurer, so like I I know them a little better. So this is I consider kind of my division of the other teams, other than obviously the division we all know, which is the Cubs. This division's interesting. Uh, the White Sox are really good, and I, I tweeted this out that the White Sox could win multiple World Series if they can keep this team together. Because just the talent with – you got Tim Anderson, you got Eloy uh, Jimenez, you got Yon Mikado, uh, along with a staff that is crazy young. Um, you got Dylan Cease uh, – hold up one second. Michael Kopech. Yeah, Michael Kopech's their fifth. Dallas Keuchel, the veteran. Dylan Cease. Which Michael, G- Michael Kopech's like a t- former – top overall prospect in yeah. all of baseball. Yep. So like, oh, he's good. Like, he's like, really good. For he's him to really be your talented. fifth starter, like, that, that, I can't even imagine. And Lance Lynn showed last year how, how skilled he is. Yeah. Then, yeah, Lucas Shealy, like, their starting staff is insane. Their bullpen is very good as well. Uh, Liam Hendricks and Aaron Bummer. Garrett Crochet throws, like, 99 uh, cutter. Like, Garrett Crochet is insane. Um, and then just they're hitting with Jose Abreu, the veteran. Like, they have such good veteran. And then, oh, yeah, they have Lewis Robert. Okay, yeah, the White Sox are crazy young, and I think this team could win a World Series. Will it be this year? I don't know, but they are definitely my lock to win the division. The Tigers are kind of like the Blue Jays, in my opinion. They're just uh, maybe a year extra out. Tigers have a lot of young pieces and then some vet pieces with, like, Miguel uh, Cabrera and also Javier Baez. Tigers pitching staff is what's holding them back right now. They have five dudes who are crazy young but crazy talented Casey Miz, uh, Matt Manning, I believe yeah. they're yeah. The, the tiger staff is insanely good. Just a couple of years early right here. Again, both those two former like top 20 overall prospects, yep. like they could light it up very they, well this year. And I would not blink an eye. They had Casey Miz on a pitch count last year. Yeah, He would only throw like four to five innings. Mm-hmm. Like they wouldn't let him throw farther, but I don't really like the tigers betting this year. I just think they're a couple of years too early. Twins at plus 600 is an interesting option. They, their starting staff is okay. I think that's their weak point. And their hitting seems a lot like dinger or bust, which, again. It's usual for them. Yep. So, I, the Guardians may be my value play here just because the pitching staff is probably the best other than the White Sox pitching staff. Uh, but the Guardians pitching staff is the oldest. But they do have Aaron Savall and uh, who's the Cy Young winner? Shane Bieber. Uh, so, yeah. The, the Guardians have the best staff, but their hitting is gross. Uh, so value play, I guess I'll go Twins here and lock. I'll go White Sox. I do not bet on the Tigers. I just they don't have it to put it together for a full season. They will light it up at some point, and they will play very consistently. I believe but- they'll they'll try to trick you into thinking they're real for like a month of this year yep. because they have a lot of pieces that can get hot for a short stretch but they don't have the pieces to stay consistent and to win it all over 162 games. Yeah. Yep. If this was a month season, sure. Give me the Tigers. Yeah. But this isn't a month season. It's a, it's a grind. Yeah. No, both, both the boys hit a spot on here. I, I'm not going to spend too long here. White Sox are my favorite to win it. Heavy lock, heavy lock on the White Sox. They're just more talented than the rest of the division. If you're going to go value, I like what the twins have done. I love what the twins have done this off season. I don't think they have enough to win the division. I don't think they have enough to beat the White Sox, but I think they have enough to compete for like a wild card. I don't like them losing guys like Danny Santana and Nelson Cruz and those kind of, you know, those vets that have been around, you know, they still have other vets that have been there, but I don't know. Those dudes just have always, those two specifically for me have seemed to come up with the big clutch hits for them. 
for the past like three, four years. And so losing those two both in the same, you know, same kind of year span, I don't like. Mm-hmm. But uh, they they brought in a lot of other talent, you know, Carlos Correa, the super, super big grab for not a lot of money that they gave him. So that, you know, that was impressive. I like what the Twins have done. I just don't think they have enough. The, I, I like White Sox. Their starting staff is just rough. Yeah, like Sony Gray, Joe Ryan, Dylan Bundy, Bailey Over, and then Randy Dubnik. Like, yeah, it's just tough. three of those guys are not even proven. Yep. Uh, and the clutch hit. They don't have a single guy in this lineup other than maybe Correa, who I think can get a clutch hit. They have a lot of fun guys, a lot mm-hmm. of guys that could light it up, but no clutch hit guys. Yeah. So Nelson Cruz leaving them is huge, but still a value there, play. Yeah, there's not. Yeah, that's kind of my problem. There's not really a guy in that lineup that instills fear nope. in the opponent like it did before i and to me that probably comes from i don't respect respect carlos correa for shit even though he's a very very talented baseball player yeah, i yeah. think he's a garbage human being <laughs> and i think he's an absolute clown of a person so i don't give a shit what he does on the baseball field i will not respect it and that's that that's fair. And going back to what you said, DJ, about the Minnesota Twins lineup. That lineup is so old; they probably were like pl- they're probably pitching with like Babe Ruth is playing. Like that's just such yeah, an yeah. old lineup. And who? So you listed off all the White Sox guys. Who's projected to be their ace for the White Sox? Yeah. Oh, Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn lit it up Lance last Lynn. year, okay. but then a close second in Lucas Giolito, who I think has a higher ceiling but also a lower floor. I think Lance Lynn's a lot more consistent. Dylan Cease throws gas. Dylan but Cease also, also super, super high former it. prospect. My, Dylan Cease or Michael Kopech could end up being their ace by the so end, end of the year. Or could like, be ended they, up they're in AAA. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's how wild. They both throw over like 98 mile an hour fastballs, like super tight control. Just young. They just got to, you know, smooth out the edges. But both those guys could be best pitcher in the league here in five years. Yep. Either one of them. So. Yeah, the, the White Sox, like, just top to bottom, the White Sox lineup is just so much nastier than anybody else, and that's why they're minus 225. Mm-hmm. Like, it makes sense. Because every other team has holes, whereas the White Sox don't, like, in my in my opinion, I guess. Yep, for sure. Okay, so that'll be the AL Central. Let's transition now to the AL West. We got uh, the pretty decent favorite, the Astros, at minus 162. The Angels at plus 350. The Mariners at plus 450. The A's and the Rangers will come in at plus 1,700. So I want to say the Angels for value merely for the fact that they they do still have Trout. They still have Shohei. But they just haven't proven that they can do enough to get to the postseason, to have success. So I'm actually going to go my value. I'm going to go the Mariners. Just for the fact, I really, really like Mitch Haniger. I really like Adam Frazier, their leadoff man. And and as far as their their starting rotation, I really like their top three with Robbie Ray being their projected ace, Marco Gonzalez being their second, and Chris Flexen being their third. Flexen is very, very underrated pitcher, in my opinion. He's like an all-time underrated pitcher. But as it's pretty obvious, I, I do like the – and I hate to admit it, but I – I'm going to go with the Astros to win. I just think they have the most talent in this division. They have a really solid pitching staff. I've hated the Astros since they were in the NL Central. I hated them before the cheating scandal. And I know you two probably agree with me on that. But they're very, very talented. They still got a lot of stars. Uh, Pitching staff, unbelievable. Like a top pitching staff in the MLB. So I like the Mariners for value. And then I like the Astros to win. 
Um, yeah, no, valid points all around. The only difference I'll throw in there is I Astros are good. I won't give them their credit though. Not gonna do it. Fuck the Astros. <laughs> Angels. Angels are my lock and my value because the Astros are jokes. Um, okay. honestly, no, Astros are talented. I think they're good. They're they're probably win the division. I'm it'll be interesting to see how they deal with losing a player like Correa and, you know, some bigger, bigger changes, but they do still have probably the most talent in the division. I, the angels have the pieces there and this is more me hoping than me thinking this will happen, but the angels have to get it done for Mike Trout's sake. Like you brought up all these guys and you you didn't even mention they have Anthony Rendon. Like you, you, he was an MVP candidate like two years ago, guys. They added him. They have Shoei Tani. They have fucking Mike Trout. They added Noah Syndergaard. Like you have, you have multiple pitchers. You have multiple batters that should instill fear in the opposing lineup. Mike Trout, Otani, and Rendon are three dudes that you should want to avoid in a lot. Like scarier than any Twins hitter. Yeah, like, no, that's kind of what we're talking yeah, about with the Twins. That's like, a terrifying three. Like. If they can't figure out a way to win some games, to I don't know you you got to break it down, you 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 got to sell house because I don't know how much better you're gonna get. You can't you don't have much more money to spend around. They have all the pieces there. I think they gotta go now, and you know I like they definitely still have holes. They they have holes, but you know they've got Justin Upton there, good hitter. That Michael Lorenzen, the Cincinnati, you know, yep. hitter pitcher, is their like fifth starter. Yep. Not a bad fifth starter. Noah Sinergard, Shoei Tani, you know, I they have pieces there. I like the Angels. And again, this is more me hoping because I hate the Astros and the entire division is trash. So I I don't know. I, I like Angels. Yeah, the Angels made a lot of moves this offseason, especially in the bullpen. They got Archie Bradley, Ryan Tapera, Aaron Loop, and then Rossiel Iglesias. Mm-hmm. Um, all great pieces, uh, all better pieces than they've had. Uh, kind of what Al was touching on, I think their third and fourth starters are their biggest weakness. Patrick Sandoval and Jose Suarez, unproven. We haven't seen much of them. We haven't seen whether they're consistent. Uh, you know, are they high four ERA guys or are they low three guys? We don't know. Uh, and so those are kind of their two wishy-washy pieces, uh, from a hitting standpoint though, they are solid or a young guy at every position, basically. I mean, the positions that aren't filled out with young guys, they got that Joe Adele, who's supposedly one of the top prospects and he is fast as heck. Uh, you know, if if they don't have a certified guy, they have a young guy in there with potential. So this angels team is super fun. Uh, I also think the AL West is the weakest it's ever been, uh, which gives uh, you know way that the Angels could potentially win it this year. The Astros lost a lot of key pieces. You know, Carlos Correa being one and a couple others. Uh, they have their first, you know, they have a new guy at shortstop for the first time and a couple other positions. And then just their starting staff is getting a lot older. You know, Verlander being their ace, he's getting a lot older. McCullers has dealt with injury issues. So I think the Astros are definitely a lot shakier than they've been in the past. So I'm going to go with Al on this one. I think the Angels are my not only lock, but also my value. The only reason why I'm not doing the Mariners is I think last year was just kind of fluky. Like, they just – I don't know. That Mariners team last year was just weird. Uh, They have a lot of weird pieces, a lot of dudes that we haven't seen, and they all played really well last year. The Mariners played like the Rays played last year. The only difference is the Rays have done that 
multiple, multiple years where last year was the first time the Mariners ever have ever done that. So I tend to believe it's a fluke with the Mariners where it's a trend with the Rays. I could a hundred percent be wrong. And the, and if that's the case, then yeah, I a hundred percent believe in the Mariners, just like I did the Rays because last year they played the game the right way. They didn't have sorry for sure, but based on the fact they haven't ever done that before, it leads me to believe they're more, they're a little more of a fluke. They, I will say for the Mariners' sake, they, their pitching staff, they did get some guys. Marco Gonzalez has been decent his whole career. They have him back. And then from last year, Logan Gilbert, Chris Flexen, and Justin Sheffield, all super young, super talented. Mm-hmm. But again, who, who knows what we're getting out of them? We haven't seen multiple consistent years out of them. And then they brought in Robbie Ray, who I'm wish-washy. Sometimes he's good, sometimes he's bad. I yeah. really don't know what to think about him. Their bullpen is really their problem. Uh, they don't really have that guy that they can bring in. And then on the flip side, they did bring in some huge veterans in Adam Frazier, uh, Suarez, J.P. Crawford. They brought back Jesse Winker. They brought in, and you know they got they got some dudes. But can this team put it together? I there's just so many question marks around that team, and so many like, will this guy be like last year, or is he going to come back to? Is he going to regress to the mean this year? Like we, we don't know. Mm-hmm. So that team to me is one giant question mark. I think it's fun. Like if you're in Seattle for the first time get a Mariners jersey and watch that team because I think that'll be a fun team they're, they're they got a lot of young guys and, sure. yeah yeah ab- absolutely and 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 talking about flex and DJ I mentioned it earlier but like if you want to talk about like top five underrated players like Chris Flexen's got to be in your top five I mean the dude's very very young very very talented and I can only see like uphill for here from here whether he has success with the Mariners, I don't know. But I do think that if he continues this trend, like he's going to be a top five pitcher if he continues what he's doing. Yeah, uh, he, he lit it up last year. I bet on him a ton. Uh, the Mariners would be underdogs. And I'm like, this dude is 10-0 and 0 right now or 10-1 and 1 or something. So, yeah, I, I was a big Flexen fan. And he, he's super young. And he, he kept it together for an entire season. So if he can keep it together this season, I think he proves that he has the ability – to bring it home. So yeah, I, I'm very positive uh, outlook on flexing. Also, Justin Sheffield is a lefty, super young. I, I'm also, I'm, I'm looking, the, the Mariners team is kind of like the Blue Jays. And like, I'm so excited to watch to see how they develop because they have so many dudes with so much potential. It's like, how are they going to play this year? So yeah, very exciting team. I just can't ever put money on them. If that makes sense. Yep. 100%. But I, I will be betting on Chris Flexen's first start. Uh, I will be betting on the Mariners. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That I don't care who they're playing. That has no run first inning written all over it. Yep. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yep. All right. So that'll do it for the uh, AL talk. Let's transition to the NL. Let's go to the NL East. Uh, close one, two here for favorites. We have the Braves as the favorite to win the division at plus 130. The Mets right behind them at plus 135. The Phillies at plus 450. The Marlins at plus 50. Oh, I wrote that wrong. But... <laughs> Hold on a second here. All right. Marlins are both plus 1,500 and plus 3,000. Yes, they are. Who am I missing, DJ? I'll take the 15 uh, out of that. You are missing. Uh, I don't know why my internet's not working. Marlins. Phillies. Again, if you thought this was a professional podcast, this is why I'm telling you we're not. <laughs> Nationals? Yes. Nationals. Yep. Okay, so let's reset here. So. The Braves at plus 130, the Mets at plus 135, the Phillies at plus 450, the Nationals at plus 1500, and the Marlins at plus 3000. So we got that out of the way now. So from a value perspective, just because the the one two are so close, and I and I don't think the Nationals or 
um, the Marlins that much value. I'm going to go the Phillies merely for the hitting perspective. You know, they got our man Schwarber there, Bryce Harper, JT Realmuto, Nick Castellanos, Reese Hoskins. I mean, that's a that's a pretty decent batting lineup there. Where I do see where like people might disagree is I do think their pitching is sus. You know, with Zach Wheeler being their number one, followed by Aaron Nola and Nola and Kyle Gibson. I'm not very confident in that pitching. But I do think if hitting is going to lead the way, I do think the Phillies do have value there. As far as my pick, obviously, it's going to be between the Mets and the Braves. I'm going to go the Mets here because I just think that um, and we're, uh, we got a, a really, really solid first three pitching rotation with DeGrom, Scherzer, and Chris Bassett. Uh, the Mets are also bringing back the old man Robinson Cano is back from his year-long suspension with PEDs. You know, Francisco Lindor is back on the team, Pete Alonzo. I think they are, they got the edge over the Braves, in my opinion. I do think if the Braves played like they did last year, they might get another wild card. But I do think the Mets win the division. But I do see value in the hitting for the Phillies as a value to possibly get them to the top. So I'm going to go Phillies for my value, Mets to win the division. Yeah, no, uh, I, I can't add too much onto that as much as I want to. Uh, you kind of hit a spot on. I'm going to go Phillies with my value as well, just based on their hitting alone. I'm, although having said that, I think I'm heavy on the Mets here. I, their pitching is just insane. One, one, one through five, like you touched on one through three, but one through five is insane. Carlos Carrasco is their four. Yeah. That he's, he's super nice. He's two on a lot of teams. Carlos Carrasco, he used to be like one of the best pitchers in the yeah. American League at one point. And then and he got injured. Then their five is either going to be Taiwan Walker, who had a hell of a year last year. I assume he'll get the starting job. Or Tyler McGill is also an option who had a, you know, average dude, young average dude, nothing special there. But that's a nice six starters there that you're comfortable throwing out there. Then you throw in their lineup. I mean, they got Brandon Nimmo, Starling Marte, Francisco Lindor, who no one kind of talks about because he had such a down year. He's due, he's due to bounce but back. Like, that's a star. That dude, I mean, they're paying him star money. Like, if he performs like he has every other year other than last year, like, he's a game changer. Pete Alonso, game changer. Yep. Robinson Cano, bringing the DH to the NL, makes him a game changer yep. because he has a massive bat. And he's his, won games. Yeah. He's played in big games. His problem was he was a defensive liability. Now he doesn't have to play defense. Perfect. Instead, they awesome. got old Jeffy there. Mark Canna, Eduardo Escobar, Jeff McNeil, James I McCann. Name a weak spot. They don't. Like, bullpen is their only weak spot. Like, yeah, exactly. And it's not even that weak. Yeah, like, the Mets are nice, dude. I And seriously, just get to the playoffs – DeGrom and Scherzer are going to single-handedly take you a long way. You're winning two games every series. They're going to take you – all you, all you have to do right. is get to the playoffs with that roster, and those two pitchers yeah. are going to carry you so far in those yeah. playoffs because they're just they're, – they're the – I mean, two of the top three pitchers in fucking baseball right now. The the, only, yeah. I mean, the only other one you could argue is fucking Kershaw. Yeah, I mean, probably with uh, just you know, over yeah, time like, consistency. Yeah, I mean, you, like you could throw up. Maybe Bieber has a better year this year. Maybe Walker you know, Bueller has. A, yeah, like, you don't, maybe, maybe but, someone has a better year this year, but overall better pitcher. Like there's no one over else. a five year period. Degrom and Scherzer are one and two. 
for sure. With yeah, like you said, with, potentially, with, with potentially, Kershaw, potentially. You, you could throw him top over three. Either, either of those two, but they're two of the top three. Mm-hmm. And just, that, that's absurd. So yeah, give me the Mets all day. I've been waiting for this Mets team to explode because they just haven't. But they've mm-hmm. had everything in place. Uh, like Al mentioned with their lineup, this lineup can hit, but this lineup can play defense. Now that Cano's not in the order, like this lineup can play great. Francisco Lindor, other than Javi, probably the best defensive shortstop in the league. Uh, and then just all around the bases, they have great defenders. Uh, James McCann is such a good veteran catcher. Like he's so smart. He knows the game. I, I really do like this Mets team as a lock. And I think the only reason why they have an edge over the Braves is because of the pitching. Their pitching, their starting pitching is so much more solidified. Whereas the Braves have a lot of dudes who are question marks. Like they had one good year. They had one bad year. Well, what's it going to be this third season? Is it going to be a good year? Is it going to be a bad year? On the flip side, if we want to go value, yeah, I'll throw the Phillies on there just because the Marlins and the Nationals are a joke. Like neither of them are going to win it. The Marlins though, I will plug the Marlins here. They are like the Blue Jays, but they're about five years out. The Marlins have five pitchers who are under the age of 23 who have not proven anything, but have so much potential. If you want to put potential, like if you want to rank teams by potential, the Marlins might be top five. They have so many top like 50 prospects right now. It's insane. Uh, Jesus Santos, uh, their pitching staff. uh, Yeah, they're the Marlins are insane. Now, if I know the Marlins, and I do, they'll find a way to just trade these guys away and never actually capitalize on it. But if you want, like, oh, yeah, I forgot, Sandy Alcantara, Trevor Rogers lit it up last year, Elysia Hernandez. Yeah, the, the Marlins are a very fun team. And then on top of that, like I said, Jesus Sanchez, uh, Brian De La Cruz, Jazz Chisinholm Jr. Yeah, they're very fun team. They're just not going to be good this year just because they're, they're way too young. So, yeah, Phillies – Definitely can hit. The Phillies pitching staff is terrible. Braves starting staff, I don't think is anywhere comparable to the Mets. The Mets is so much better. Bullpen, Braves might have a slight edge. That's the only problem. I I just don't like Diaz as a closer for the Mets. I've watched him. I know how much Mets fans hate him. I think he might be better as an eight or seven guy. Like, I think he's one of those guys that, like, would flourish at the seven or eight role. But he's shown time after time. And uh, maybe I'm wrong here, but he just cannot close. He just can't do it. And so they need they they need to make a trade or they need to make trades, uh, you know, at the deadline to get a closer. They they need to solidify their bullpen. But if the Mets can solidify their bullpen, this team is deadly. And I would consider them World Series potential just based on their starting staff and the amount of names they have. Again, we're talking about the Twins. These guys have more like scarier players than the Twins have. Like more dudes from like oh crap. Like Francisco Lindor is better than anybody on the Twins when it comes to just a, a straight star power. So yeah, the the Mets. Far and away, uh, you know, the Braves had their, their run last year, but they lost, I think, the biggest piece, Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman's everything to that team. He literally did everything for that team. Freddie Freeman is so good. Ah, oh, I love Freddie. So the fact that he left, I think that actually destroys this Braves team. Like, I don't think they realize how much they needed Freddie. And I think this is the year that shows it. So I would not put any money on the Braves at all. I would throw it all on the Mets, take out a loan, tell your guy, Mets are winning the division. Let's throw it on 135. We'll double it up here quick. Yes, sir. All right, so pretty unanimous as far as value and lock for the NL East. So let's transition now to the NL Central. Favorite to win the NL Central, Brewers at minus 141. The Cardinals coming in at plus 185. The Reds at plus 1,000. The Cubs at plus 1,100. 
and the Pirates at plus 3,300. So, again, in my opinion, it's either going to be the Cardinals or the Brewers that's going to win, in my opinion. But I do think if you want to just, just to have a little fun, sprinkle a little bit on it, I think the Reds might might surprise some people. You know, like, I hate the man, probably my second or third least favorite pl- player in the MLB, but Joey Votto's still still around. They got uh, Mike Moustakis, uh, Tyler Stevenson, and then as far as their lineup, you know, Luis Castillo as their, uh, their ace, Tyler Maul, Mike Miner. You know, they could surprise some people. So I hate to say it. I hate to give them credit, but I'm going to go the Reds just to sprinkle. And then my my lock, again, hate to say it, got to go the Brewers here. You know, Yelich uh, returning. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon can go kick rocks, so don't worry about him. Uh, Hunter Renfro. And then as far pitching, pitching is unbelievable. And DJ, I talked about their pitching a little bit here. You know, Corbin Bird's such a young player and he's like top five in several major categories as far as starting pitching goes. So I think he's going to be phenomenal. You know, at Brandon Woodruff at year two, he could start, he could be the ace for several teams, but he's coming in at the two. Freddie Peralta, Adrian Hauser, Eric Lauer. That's a pretty dang good pitching lineup. And I think that's what's going to get them far in the NL. So again, I don't love it, but I think if you want to just have a little fun and sprinkle, you go the Reds, but I do think the move is the Brewers to win. Yeah, I'll be quick here. The Cubs lineup, it's got so many holes. It, they have nobody that I'm scared of hitting-wise. They have not a single player where I'm like, oh, God, I'm worried about him. Not a single one. Defensively, the Cubs might be one of the best defenses. Like, they they seem like they could be great defensively. Pitching-wise, they just don't have it. They have a bunch of question marks. Cubs are gross this year. Brewers are a fucking unit. Like, to put it simple, the Brewers are a unit. Like, pitching, defensively. They might not score 30 points, even though it's not really possible, 30 runs. They're going to score enough to win. If you score three runs, they'll score four. If you score four, they'll score five. Like the Brewers are just, they're good. They just win those tight games and they're, they're built to win. They're built for 162 game season because they're the most consistent. The Cardinals, I'm going to see one month, the Cardinals are going to go 10 and 20. And the next month, the Cardinals are going to go 20 and 10. Like the Cardinals are such a high and low team. And I think their pitching staff is decent and they're hitting staff. They're hitting, they got great hitting, but uh, they're just so inconsistently like they'll get crazy hot at one point this season and go like 20 and 0 and people are going to be mind blown, but they're not going to look at when they went, you know, one and nine for that little stretch. So Cardinals are a little too streaky. Brewers are a lock. Yeah. If I want to throw some value, I'll throw it on the Reds, I guess, but I'm, I'm throwing it all on the Brewers. The Brewers are a hundred percent winning this division and I, you really can't convince me any other way. Yeah, no, um, you boys both hit it well again. I Brewers are my lock. I there's really nothing more to touch on. They're they're a solid squad. I you have that much good pitching, good hitting on top of consistent. I got another vehicle now, you know, consistently competing and being a good squad as they have for the past five, ten years. You know, they've been in the race, they've been they've had a dog in this race. I I like the Brewers. Um, if I go a value, I the best I can give you guys, give me Cardinals plus 185, specifically because they're the Cardinals. And they have some talent. They don't have as much talent as really? the Brewers. But the Cardinals have done this before where they've won it with less talent. Oh, I and like, to say they have no talent would be a fucking farce. You know, Nolan Arenado and fucking Paul Goldschmidt alone is better than a lot of MLB teams have 
you know, is more talented than a lot of MLB teams have. So to overlook those two seems a little disrespectful. It's, it's really just about the Brewers pitching and the Cardinals lack of pitching that I, th- I think that spread should be a little further apart. Quite frankly, I think the Brewers should be a heavier favorite uh-huh. to win that division. More like the White Sox. Yeah. Yep. But, uh, so, yeah, if I'm going to go a value, I'll go Cardinals. I know it's not a whole lot of value at, oh, like, geez, plus 185 or whatever it was. But if you bet on anything yeah. else, you're basically, like, throwing yeah. your money. Like, the Reds aren't winning. Like, you, yeah. yeah, you're really no, just it, giving it, your money It's away. Brewers or Cardinals. Yeah. So. Yeah. For sure. <clears throat> All right. So, yeah, that's our look at the NL Central. Let's finish out here with the NL West. Dodgers minus 200, the Padres plus 325, the Giants plus 425, and the Diamondbacks and Rockies coming in at plus 10,000. So the odds pretty pretty much say it as it is. It, um, if anybody's even to come close to the Dodgers, I don't think anybody's going to, but I like the Padres to come like fairly close to the Dodgers here. Uh, Machado, Will Myers. Will Myers has been on the Padres forever, and the Padres were like, bottom of the barrel in the MLB like Will Myers was given them at least some respect mm-hmm. so I I hope that Will Myers gets a little bit of respect because like I said I went to a Padres game way back when they were bottom of the barrel I mean they were bad I remember they were so bad that they put in a pinch hitter for their cleanup cleanup man oh no yeah. <laughs> they started they started turning around as far as their pitching goes you know you got Joe Musgrave uh, Darvish, they just acquired, uh, or recently, whether I don't remember how long ago it was, but they acquired Blake Snell. So I do like the Padres for value, but I mean, just the lineup. Like, I got to read the entire lineup just to like prove how good the Dodgers are. You got Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, Justin Turner, Max Muncie, Will Smith, Chris Taylor, Cody Bellinger, AJ Pollock, and then for your pitching, Walker Bueller, Julio Urias. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, uh, Tony Gonsolin, Andrew Heaney, Tyler Anderson. I mean, it, just an unbelievable lineup. So, honestly, like, the Dodgers are going to win. And going into the next thing, if the Dodgers don't win the World Series, I think that's a disappointment for how talented of a team I think this Dodgers team is. Yeah. No, I uh, NL West is a uh... – Interesting one. I think the Dodgers are your heavy locks. But the, my thing is the Dodgers have had this overpowering team and managed to n- not do it so many times. It's like, I, I'm, I'm not, they're not my lock of all locks. You know, like I, I can see one of, if, if you're going to go with a value team, this is, this is the division to go to the value team. And personally, my value team, I like, I like the Giants. Strictly based on, similar to like we talked about with the Rays, how they play the game of baseball. And they've done it consistently for, I mean, arguably like 15 years now. You know, it, not every single year, but more often than not, they're going to compete with dudes we've never fucking heard of before. Mm-hmm. We have no <laughs> fucking clue who's playing Lamonte these positions Wade. for Like, yeah. <laughs> It doesn't matter who they fucking put in their positions. They fucking small ball the shit out of you and they manage to win games. And so I don't care who's on their roster. I don't care who their ace is. I don't care any of that. My value pick is the Giants just based on what they've done in the past. Previous experience tells me I like the Giants here. You know, they, and 
they played well last year. They've got some pieces in place. Obviously, they have plenty of holes. Otherwise, they wouldn't be plus 425. But they play baseball the right way, and they played baseball the right way year after year. And so I just – my big thing against the Padres, I don't like them without Tatis. I think he created – he added so much energy for them. Missing him, especially for the start, you know, uh, the first half of the season, arguably, you know, I no one, I don't, I personally don't know how long exactly he's out, but I know it's no for the idea. first half exactly, or first half at least. I don't think they're going to have enough juice. Like the, the media, everyone hypes him up so much and just feeds rocket fuel up his ass. <laughs> it's like, I don't know how that team is going to survive without that fucking extra they they just don't have the players they don't have the spark without him they they remind me a little bit of the mariners where it's like you could you could add all the players you want to the mariners you know they they had robinson cano before he sucked dick on them like you could add players to those squads they just they struggle they're just a team that consistently struggles and the only thing that changed that was when Fernando Tatis came in and was doing some wild shit. It's like, oh shit, the Padres might not be the worst team in the league for a year. <laughs> That's kind of crazy. And so there's not a part of me that believes now that Tatis is gone that they won't go back to being one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was but that. It, it, yeah. No, I yeah. That, I'm, I'm essentially done. It's it should be Dodgers, should be Dodgers all the way. But because they're the Dodgers, I like Giants. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I was going to say. I, I feel like the Padres, after Tatis kind of blew up, tried to pull what the Dodgers were doing by getting all these stars, except for they just got less stars than the Dodgers. <laughs> so they're trying to play the Dodgers game, but just have less stars. So they're always going to be worse than the Dodgers. Like, that's a fact. Whereas the Giants, as Al kind of mentioned, the Giants just – they just know how to win. They're, they're kind of like the Cardinals. They're, in that they're, aspect. Not playing, like they're, they're not playing the Dodgers game. They're no, playing they're their not, own game. Yeah, exactly. They're they playing their yep, own game. Yep. It's like it's it's almost like the money ball from fucking yeah. like, like the A's. It's like why I, I don't care what your name is. Show me your on base percentage. Show me these small things you're yep. fucking doing for me. We're gonna add every single one of our all nine of our dudes are gonna do the small things really well, and we're gonna have a great team together. Yep. As opposed to we're gonna pay Freddie Freeman three hundred fucking plus million <laughs> and fucking bellinger 400 plus million and Mookie. Mookie Betts, 500 plus million oh and we got five all-star pitchers it's like yeah it's like what the fuck are we doing here yeah the yeah tampa or tampa bay and the giants are so similar like they do all the right things they play baseball the right way and they do so much more with so less this is a team that's been competing with the dodgers for the last 10 years on half of the salary like it's honestly asinine the difference in salary of these two teams. So for value wise, the giants are the way to go here. They're going to do it right. They have, they just, it's so weird how they do it, but they play such a different game than the Dodgers. Whereas, like I said, the Padres try to play the Dodgers game, but have less stars. Now let's talk about the Dodgers quick. The Dodgers might have assembled just on, on paper, the best team of all time. And I hate to say it, but on paper, this Dodgers team might be the best team of all time. They have five borderline all-star pitchers. They have an entire lineup of great and hitters that have proven themselves years and years, like hitters that have been hitting for years. 
You know, they might have gone through a slump one year, but they've had good years. Their lineup is insane. Their starting staff is insane. Their bullpen is insane. The Dodgers on paper are one of the most insane teams of all time for talent wise. Yep. What, that's the thing about baseball, though. It doesn't always work that way. You can't just throw all the stars on a team and light it up. And that's why last year, if you notice, the Giants actually ended up winning the division uh, and the Dodgers didn't uh, because that's how baseball works. And the Giants are just that weird team. So, yeah, sure. If I have to choose a lock, I guess I'll choose Dodgers. But I, I'm more interested in the Giants to value play just because the Giants are the Giants and they they play consistent. And they're not going to go through many dry. They're not going to. They're not going to get insanely hot, but they're never going to get insanely cold. They're just going to play their brand of baseball all year. So it it'll be interesting. The NL West is definitely the most talented, maybe, but also the biggest question marks. The Diamondbacks and the Rockies are a joke. Chris Bryant going to the Rockies. Why? Like he clearly doesn't want to win. The whole those two teams are just they don't belong. It's like which of these not belong, and it's those two teams. Uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting nonetheless. <clears throat> yeah, dude, dude, it's just it's just unbelievable to fathom. Kershaw is their three in that in that pitching rotation. That's nuts. And Walker Bueller's what twenty five, and Julio Urias is twenty four. Yeah, like, their starting staff is insanely young. Uh, their hitters mix. You know, they have some old and young, but I don't know, man. The if the Dodgers don't win, it's kind of embarrassing in my opinion. For sure. No, <laughs> it's so embarrassing. The Dodgers have set themselves up to the point where if they don't win, it's a failure for everyone. Wait, uh, yeah. It, it's literally like the Warriors when you when they went 73-9 and nine and then added the fucking MVP. It's like, yeah, no, you have to win now. You, you put all of the best players on one, yet you should win. If you don't win, you all suck. Like, 100% you should win, and that's kind of why – Expect them not to. Rare, I, rarely in sports do those teams win. Especially in baseball, I feel like, because it's the yeah. hardest. Like, oh, it's just it's just the most mentally grinding where, like, at the end of the day, star power doesn't always do you, it for you. You start, yeah. Star, you need star power does the least in baseball. Yeah, but, but it, yeah, exactly. It, do, it does the least. It, yeah, spot on. Yep, for sure. So that's going to do it with our divisional breakdowns. Really, really quick before we wrap up the show, let's just talk World Series odds. So I got... Uh, the top six are World Series. If you guys are curious about um, any other teams, let me know. I do have the odds pulled up here. So uh, World Series uh, favorite, Dodgers plus 500, Astros at plus 1,000, White Sox at plus 1,100, Yankees at plus 1,100, Rays at plus 1,100, and the Blue Jays at plus 1,100. So right away, before I make my pick, I noticed three teams in the AL East in the top six. So that just shows how competitive the al east is going to be but value i really hate to say it because i said it last year and it blew up in my face but i gotta go to the yankees for value i just think with the hitting they got with garrett cole leading the helm and the rest of the starting pitching i think they have what it takes and just the the culture of the yankees might be enough to give them a world series win but, I mean, we mentioned it. We just talked about it. I got to go the Dodgers is my favorite. I know they're the odds-on favorite. But just like DJ said, this could be a top, if not the top team of all time on paper. So, if they don't win, in, in my opinion, it's World Series or bust for the Dodgers. But I just think this team is too good not to win a World Series. So, 
Again, I'm going to go Yankees for my value. I'm going to go Dodgers as my prediction. Yeah. Um. Honestly, I Garrett Cole has not shown up in the playoffs, and he's the Yankees ace, so I can't respect the Yankees. If I look at this list, I immediately cross off the Yankees. I immediately cross off the Astros. Oh, Both teams are worse than they were – not worse than they were last year, but I just – they don't have the type of team in place for the playoffs. They have a perfect regular season team, a team that will light it up during the regular season, but they don't have the, the playoff. They, they didn't win the World Series last year, and they didn't get better. It, yeah, in terms of, like, playoffs. They might they have got, gotten guys that can fill in during the regular season, mm-hmm. but they didn't get that guy for the playoffs. And yeah, I, 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 I can make strong arguments that both those teams got worse this offseason. Yeah, I, I would 100% agree. I, I can make an argument. I don't know if I'd win that argument, but I can make the argument. <laughs> I will go down trying. Uh, yeah, so I, I hate the Astros. I don't really like the Yankees just because Garrett Cole was so bad. Like, mm-hmm. incredible. You see, like, a Madison Bumgarner who's not amazing during the regular season, but he just <laughs> lights it up during the playoffs. Like, Garrett Cole showed that he doesn't have that, mm-hmm. and he got lit up by the Cubs when they when they played when Arietta was on one, which, again, tough game to win. But still, he's not done anything. He hasn't done anything productive in the playoffs at all. And sure, he'll light up during the regular season, but I'm not putting my hat on that. I would I, I would much rather take the Mets as a value play over the Yankees at this point. But nonetheless, yeah, Dodgers are my lock for sure. If I were to go value, I'd go, I'd go White Sox. They're they're going to be the ones probably probably represented out of the West or the the AL, and I just think that I, like the only difference between the Rays and the White Sox is talent. The White Sox have way more talent now. The Rays way more proven, way more uh, postseason experience. Like they've been there, they've done that. So the Rays have the experience. But if we're going talent wise, I'll go White Sox at plus eleven hundred here. Uh, yeah, I. I would go if I were to do order. I'd go Dodgers, White Sox, Rays, and then I'd go Mets as my three. If I were to bet three in a row, so those would be my top three. Yeah, I um, Dodgers my lock. They, I mean, or my favorite. I shouldn't say lock because I, I don't expect them to win. Like I said before, I expect them to bust because these teams rarely pan out. But if you're going a favorite, I'm not stupid. They're heavily the favorite. They're way too talented not to be your favorite. Go Dodgers. But my value pick, personally, I Deej hit it there late on his. I'm going Mets. They're not even on this list. Give me Mets. I, like I said before, I, I, you know, I do have a little bias towards them. But, dude, get to the postseason and Strasburg, Scherzer, and fucking DeGrom will carry you so fucking far. They will I I mean that's essentially a guaranteed win three four, to four. Yeah, three to four of every series. That wins you the series. Exactly. Do the math. That wins you the series, guys. <laughs> they they're fucking so good. And you know, nine times out of ten, when you have pitchers like two of these top-tier pitchers on a team, your fucking batting lineup is ass. That's not the case. Nope. You go one through nine of their fucking batting lineup. You go, you you can't point out a weakness. It's it's top five. There's yeah, there's no position that you're like, yeah, no, he you need to replace him because his bat sucks. No, they all have a solid bat and they all have even better defense than their bat. Oh, for sure. Like I think their Mets are gonna be really good, and I think they're being slept on here. Like, I think that they're not even one of the top six odds to win the fucking world series it's insane I, it goes yeah. to show how I, I mean I'm, to me that shows their their value 
they're my value pick for sure by a country mile. Like I'm, I'm Mets all day for sure. Do you fear though that like going into last year, like in the postseason, like Degrom ensures they do have good games, but do you fear that the hitters may not come out like they've done in the past with them? Um, I so there's there's fear with that, but something with that for me is Degrom has never gotten those runs from the Mets. During the like, regular, yeah. like, like he's historically gotten the least amount of runs from his offense. Like I, they never give him runs. And I guess my thing with the Mets is they changed their offense a lot this year. Like, you know, they got rid of Conforto. They got rid of fucking, you know, they got rid of quite a few guys brought in Starling Marte brought in um, fucking, I think Canna. Now I think he was there for part of it last year, but like they, they made some changes to a good chunk of their lineup. And at Starling Marte for one is I'm, I, I'm not a big fan of him, but I like the ad for them. I think he fits the mold because they had a lot of power, a lot of power hitters. They didn't have contact. And that was, you know, they go, they get really streaky. Well, Starling Marte is a career like 360 plus on base percentage and 300 plus batting average. So he, he's going to put the ball in play. So he does the exact thing that they were missing. So like I said, as much as I don't like him, I think he does help with their issue a lot as well as, you know, getting Jeff McNeil was injured a lot last year. He's again, the same type of dude, not going to hit for power, but he's going to hit, he's going to put the ball in play, which is what they were missing last year. They had fucking Michael Conforto, Pete Alonzo, Dominic Smith, all just dinger bust. You know, we, us three know that perfectly from watching the cubs that's what we've tried to do for the past eight years now <laughs> doesn't work we get that so yeah that's why Degrom doesn't hasn't gotten their runs so i think they've tried to make the right adjustments and i think they have they have a good amount of pieces still that they can make adjustments mid-season like i think what dj pointed out with their bullpen is ass i think that's one of the easiest pieces to improve upon mid-season yeah with some for sure. of, you know with the trade deadline get a couple big arm guys come in help you throughout just like the cubs did in 2016 bring in chapman bring in you know bring in those guys who want the big payday and the ring yeah, yeah. exactly so yep I, I i like the mets i think they have i don't think they have the best team right now but i think they have the best pieces in place to make a run with a couple moves here so and to add to that i think the thing that bodes really well for the mets is we've seen kind of the core of this lineup just not pop off yet. But they're good. They're really good. Individually, each player is really talented. But the team as a whole has not popped off yet. If this team gets anywhere close to what they can achieve, if they can just hit consistently, this team is deadly. Mm -hmm. This is the best lineup we've seen out of the Mets. And like I said, the core is still the same. A lot of those core pieces are the same. They added veteran leadership in Mark Canna, Starling Marte, and Eduardo Escobar. These well, are all veteran hitters. And again, don't we, we can't discount – I forgot to mention it, but we can't discount the aspect of bringing, getting Robinson Cano back. Oh, for that, sure. That's one of the wiliest vets in the fucking league. That dude just was – And again, yeah. bringing the DH to the NL, that's his sweet spot. The dude's like 39. <laughs> he doesn't want to play defense. He wants to step in the box, rake it, and then teach the boys up on what they should be doing out there on defense. Like, this is perfect for him. 
getting him back is going to be huge for them in terms of winning those close tight games, having that veteran leadership in the dugout. Well, you're probably wondering who did Cano learn from? Oh, I don't know. Derek freaking Jeter and Alex Rodriguez say what you will about both of them, but they are both great winners and great. They just great players. And he, he learned under them. Exactly. Uh, dude, dude, I'm, like I'm Mets. so hyped for this Mets team, and I've been that way for about four years, and every year this hitting has just busted. Yeah. This is the – like, I, I honestly think it's it's got to happen eventually where this hitting just pops off. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm i thinking this is the year. But, but, yeah. No, and again, I, I think the adding of the con- contact hitters and the vets helps. Like, Eduardo, like, I, like I said, yeah, yeah. Eduardo Stan, Escobar, Starling. contact hitter, fucking getting Robinson Cano back. Contact hitter at this point. Yeah, when he was young, for sure, power hitter. At this point, no, he's a contact hitter. Smart like The hitter. dude's looking for a – he's putting the ball in play. He's not – he can hit it out, but he's more of a contact hitter in that leadership role. Jeff McNeil getting back from injury if he can stay healthy. Contact hitter. Starling Marte, contact hitter. Like, bringing these – again, this is these are the type of moves I've wanted the Cubs to make for years now, and we haven't. So, I, I can respect – I can I can respect and appreciate what the Mets have done here, and I, 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 I think they have a lot of the right pieces in place. I think I think they can do it. They're my value pick. All right, sounds good. Well, that'll do it for our MLB preview. Just want to give a shout out, Al. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Uh, really, really quick. What's your uh, what's your Twitter at that people can follow you? At Alex Long zero two. All right, sounds <laughs> good. Well. Uh, again, greatly appreciate you coming on. DJ, fun as always, 50 episodes in a row. Yes, sir. We made it. We didn't yeah. get canceled. I'm very surprised. Not yet. Yes. <laughs> that Willie Naylor episode, we I was like, oh, 50. we're going to get canceled here. Willie, he's a wild yeah, guy. No. Willie, Willie's a fuck. <laughs> you guys shouldn't, shouldn't let him on. <laughs> <Sure. laughs> I just know if, if we bring if we bring on fuck Cy, we're gonna we're gonna be done for. I think that's gonna be the last. Bring thing. on Willie Naylor and fuck Cy. If, that oh, seems like man. a collab episode to make. We bring on those Willie two. Naylor, fuck Cy and Fade JT. Oh Woo! shit! Okay, okay. Man, the old quad or no? What's five? Whatever Fab, the Fab quint, Five. Quint, yep. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try to what other people interrupt. no that would be wild uh yeah no i mean congratulations to you kyle uh our persistence and our ability to every tuesday pop out an episode uh and the quality has definitely improved uh right away we sucked we're kind of decent now uh relative obviously The the floor is very sturdy but no it was yeah it's been a wild ride my guy yes sir absolutely so to wrap up the show, first of all, thank you to all our listeners every single episode for allowing me and DJ to uh, do do this show. Greatly appreciate it. If you've been listening from the beginning, we thank you. If you've been listening just recently, we also thank you. Continue to listen, spread the word. Uh, to wrap up our show, you can find all our picks on the website, www.codasportscappers.com. We got daily articles coming out. We got soccer articles. We got college basketball. We got NHL. Pretty soon we'll have MLB. Uh, If you're looking for locks, just basic blogs, be sure to check out our website. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at Feud Gambling. DJ and I will post our picks every single day for games we like and also our units as well. Uh, Podcast will be dropping next week. Uh, be sure to check that out. We will have a guest picker on next week. We're very excited for that. And then we got a lot of podcasts on the network. Besides this podcast, be sure to check out all our podcasts. We got the OG podcast, the first podcast of the Coda Sports Gambling Network, the Mount Lockmore podcast with Pace and Beerus. 
Occasionally, you will see Pumba Cakes and Soup come on. As always, we got the Hine Inside podcast with DJ Along and JT out at the ranch. Uh, if you're big into soccer, we got the Gabacho Baracho soccer podcast with Corey Adair, Don Thomas Miller, and Dan Angel. Uh, we were big, big on college football this year, so be sure uh, you ch- tune in with us next year. We'll have the College Football Central show back on YouTube, along with not another college football podcast. Uh, big, also a UFC podcast, uh, the Throwing Bows podcast with VFC. So if you're big into UFC, you can check that out. I know uh, Al and JT have been on the show occasionally to talk some cards. So be sure to check that out. We got the Securing the Bag podcast with DG Bets, the Parlay King and our winner of our Elite Eight contest. And finally, our brand new capper, Big Game Hunter, uh, has a new podcast called the Cashing Tickets podcast. Uh, be sure to check that out. Big Game Hunter has been uh, in the sports handicapping business for 30 years, so longer than DJ and I have been alive. So be sure to check that out. And then be sure to follow all our cappers on social media at Coda Capper Pace, at BRUS35, at Puma Cakes, at Campbell D. Josh, at Dan Angel 11, at Von Flu Choke, at DJ Corf 07, at Don Thomas Miller, at Potato Gobbler, at DG Bets, at Big Game 1501824. And for 50 episodes in a row, you can find me on Twitter at Combdog DJ. We've been at it for 50 episodes in a row. Wrap it up for us. As always, you can find me at DJ Low4422. Thank you for joining us for another podcast. And we're going to double it up. We're going to 100 people. We're going to the moon. We're not stopping. Uh, yeah, let's get it. Let's go. Peace. Deuces.